JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Earlier this afternoon on the ride with JMV. And on a Tuesday, thank you so much for joining us. James out, Elijah in. I'm out tomorrow. I'll explain that a little bit later on. You know, I was just doing the crosstalk with Jake and with Jimmy in here recording the Pacers last night. And there was understanding. My point of view regarding this is not without understanding. And I know what they were missing last night. And I know that they certainly miss those three players. They miss Miles, no matter what you want to say. Uh, they miss Jalen Smith. They miss Andrew Nemhart. Uh, it is a team that is struggling big time right now, without question. Miss all of that. I just didn't think what they were missing would have really added a great deal. You probably would have felt worse today. Hey, Clippers just came in here and shot the absolute lights out. You're lucky that Paul George didn't go for 40. He missed some shots there in the second half that he was making in the first half. What was he, somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 of 21? So, that's how I looked at it last night. It was incredibly disappointing. Because I I have been at the front of this line. I want to expect more. I want to expect more. I expected more at the beginning of the season. Now, granted, the Clippers and you know the situation, fine. But you got five other games on there where you can accept a lot or expect a lot more. And you got five other games when they were either close to or at full strength. At least close to it. So that is where I am with that right now. But still, it does not take away the disappointment because I hate it when the team that you're invested in, the team that we talk about all the time, or for example, your team, I hate when they get clowned upon. And that's what happened to the Pacers last night. They got clowned. They got clowned in a fashion in which Milwaukee did the same thing. And then Milwaukee expedited the whole thing and made it worse last Wednesday by messing around with the basketball. Where's our basketball? We can't find the basketball. They took the basketball. Let me run and get the basketball. We kind of excused that because of their jackasses behavior. But you couldn't do that last night and... If you watch that bench after Kawhi Leonard had finally called it a night, I, I had not seen that dude that excited uh, 
even when winning an NBA title. He hit that game-winning corner three, remember, that bounced straight up in the air against Philly and came down, bounced around, and went in. He wasn't that excited over that as he was when James Harden was coming up with a left hand and just drilling three-pointer after three-pointer in everybody's face last night. Obi Toppin does not have any eyeballs left. They got knocked out last night. And believe me, you want to blame a variety of things. I can't stand Scott Foster. I made light of that last night, but there was no blame on anything there. That was just awful. It was awful. And we'll see what Rick Carlisle ends up doing. I have said this before. I don't believe there is a great deal that can help that is presently a part of this team defensively. But a couple of things. You shouldn't look like that. You shouldn't look like that at home. You shouldn't let it get that bad. You should have a little bit of pride. And as I mentioned, I did believe with what Shaquille O'Neal said a couple of weeks ago. You can be this bad defensively, fine, but you got to find yourself close in a game because of your offense and then be able to get a stop or two late in the fourth quarter. That can be the difference. I thought, okay, you know, maybe you'll be able to shortcut this. But unfortunately, if you're not close in the fourth, you're not going to be able to shortcut anything. Alas, there you are. But that's what I'm waiting on seeing. I'm waiting on seeing that and not another round of excuses. Well, guys were missing last night. Well, guys were missing and the flight was late on Saturday. Well, this on Wednesday in Milwaukee. That's what I'm ready to put to bed. And as I told Jake, If you want to be at this level, you are going to be viewed and talked about and critiqued at this level. And believe me, nobody wants that more than me for them. Because as I've told you over and over again, I'm sick and tired of sitting around here and being sick and tired of watching losing basketball or watching losing sports whatsoever. I'm embracing this Colts thing right now because, A, we didn't think, most of us, that they were going to be anywhere near this, and, B, it just feels good because you lost that feeling. Completely lost it. You have no idea what it feels like to be here. Think about that. The younger generation, especially those that we constantly see in our timeline that have Colts blogs or whatever. And again, I'm not going to discredit that. You got to do what you can do and you got to do it right now. Find your audience and run with it. Create content. I tell that to everybody. But they have zero idea what this is really about when you have a team that is a favorite and a team that is winning. No idea. You're looking at that Steeler game was one of the greatest things of all time. I look at that Steeler game as a game of pride. You come off a bad week, a bad loss in Cincinnati. Get a Steeler team that limps in here, gets out early, has owned you in the past eight. I kind of look at that as pride. And that's how I look at the Pacers. When is that pride going to set in not to look that bad defensively? And again, I don't know. I've heard, well, If Miles would have been there, it wouldn't have been that much better. 
Would it? Nimhard been there? They'd have been at full strength. See, that's the problem. And you could tell with Rick Carlisle after the game going over more than your garden variety of reasons to these challenges where he's going to have to step up. He even talked about slowing things down. Well, you might as well forget that. I mean, let's face it. That is how you're playing right now. In no way you're all of a sudden you're going to throw the brakes on this because you'll run absolutely everybody off. What you're going to have to do, though, is you're going to have to mix in a little bit of that pride. It doesn't take a great deal of skill to close out strong on a jump shooter. I know that Harden was stroking it, and maybe nobody could have stopped it. But if you watch them, they let guys get what? Answer that question for me. They let guys get comfortable in whatever it is they want to do offensively. You have to be able to take something away. I'll give you a great point. Because the Pacers in that championship game in Vegas, they made Darvin Ham look like one of the greatest coaches of all time. And all he did was say, all right, here's their best player. Let's throw some other wrinkles at him to try to get the ball out of his hands. Let's make him be what? Let's make him be uncomfortable. You have to try that. And that's also on the coach. I think once you get the uh, the analyst starts talking about how, well, maybe you should try to get the ball out of their hands or throw somebody else at them, it is probably already too damn late. So this whole slowing it down, can you imagine? Yeah, we're going to slow this down. Okay, great. So you're going to slow it down. You're not going to win as much because that's the reason why you're good and you're not going to get that much better, if all better defensively. Anybody out there think that works? And I, I know I understand that's what you say as a coach after the game when you're frustrated as hell. And you just had to sit through a game in which, once again, your team got run up for 150-plus. And I know that this team, this team is not right now the way you look at it, the makeup of this squad moving forward. You know that they'll make a move, or at least I figure they'll make a move, something. But beyond that, you're just going to have to find within these guys a reason to want to get a stop, a reason to want to set some resistance and not give up 150. Is that one of those... Sports talk show host guy at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that's easier said than done. It's not like that the Clippers, they had won seven in a row, now eight in a row. But prior to that, I mean, hell, I think they lost like six in a row. They had their struggles. At some point, you just have to learn, and at some point, you're going to have to learn with this group. Now, I will agree with this. You are going to have to try different things. It is long past, I think, right now that Aaron Neesmith needs to be a part of the starting lineup. Now, I will also tell you that I've never been that big on, oh, my goodness, you get to run out there and high-five everybody in the starting lineup. I mean, really, that's the only difference, isn't it? How much of a tone will be set? Um, What you're doing is just saying, all right, you're doing your job right now, so we're going to put you in that situation and remove somebody that is not. That does make sense, but I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make in the entirety of the game. They need all hands on deck for this. 
And you also have to keep in mind that the month of January is heavy with tough matchups. This so far, you know, other than the in-season tournament that took them to Vegas and, you know, obviously got them some matchups and, you know, kept them away from home for the better part of two weeks, whatever. But at the same time, the comparison to not taking advantage in this early season schedule we have talked about, it will come back to haunt you. And likely it's going to start haunting you coming up in the month of January. Because it gets difficult. So, yeah, overall disappointment. I just don't like to see a team that I follow, a team that is yours, get clowned on like that. There's nothing fun about watching James Harden stroke a three, fall down, look into the camera and scream and do snow angels on the floor. That sucks. Now, I'm not going to suggest, well, you need to be old school enough or somebody needs to set him down or, you know, give him some chin music in terms of baseball. I'm not going to suggest that. But, again, if you don't have one single guy getting the job done, maybe try to get him to get rid of the ball. If Norman Powell doesn't, Norman Powell does it. If Terrence Mann doesn't, Terrence Mann does it. Paul George does it. You know what I mean here. Some of those decisions are not going to be made on the floor by the players that are playing. They're going to be made by the coaching staff there. And again, by the time that the the analysts on radio or TV mention that, then you know that the time has already passed. And that's something I think this team defensively definitely needs to recognize. And certainly they've seen it enough. I mean, hell, they've seen everybody get hot against them. Yeah, last night was pretty ridiculous. They get Charlotte coming up on Wednesday night. We shall talk about that with you if you like. I mentioned this before. I mentioned this regarding a new regime and what people thought about Frank Reich before he was canned middle of last year. You know, one of the reasons why it has been said that Jim Irsay brought in Jeff Saturday because he kind of wanted to see what was going on on the interior. Now, he also wanted that to work, don't get me wrong, and felt in his mind that it was going to work. But oftentimes, we have found ourselves wondering why the thumb of pressure from a coach has not been more adequately applied, whether you're talking about Chuck Pagano of the past or Frank Reich of the past. So you kind of wonder when both Tony Brown and Isaiah McKenzie ended up, we were talking about this on the pregame show, the Colts pregame huddle on Saturday. They uh, ended up on the inactive list, but they're healthy. Well, Stephen Holder had this. The Colts have placed wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie and cornerback Tony Brown. Now, remember, Josh Downs ended up returning punts. There's no McKenzie, no Brown. The reserve suspended list for three games for conduct detrimental to the team. And as I remind you, neither player was active Saturday in that victory over Pittsburgh. And at the time... We were talking about this in the pregame show. Was I wonder what the hell's going on here? And there's your answer. 
when you win, everything decision-making-wise you do basically is accurate. So winning is a cure-all. But I can't sit here and tell you that I'm sad to see a coach come in here and if there is any jacking around that you put the hammer down on that jacking around. And again, I don't know what level we're talking about here. But with whatever McKenzie and Brown, whatever it is they have done, they are done for the rest of the regular season and both have had moments. Both have had moments. I mean, hell, Tony Brown was just shirtless in preparation for that Bengals game week before last. Both have had their moments, and evidently, we've seen this coach is not screwing around here. Again, I don't know what has happened. What what I do know is the coach and evidently this staff under new rule right now is not going not going to mess with it. I remember Brad Stevens saying this once right here when he was the head coach of Butler. He said this to me. He said, "You know what? You have to have absolutely everybody pushing in the same direction." Uh, he's a coach now, general manager, and I'm a sports talk show host. But I've always taken taken that advice to heart. You do. You have to have everybody pushing. And I'm not just talking about in terms of collegiate or professional. I mean on every level. And it's always it it is always inspiring when I see it actually happening. And then I always kind of wonder why everywhere it doesn't. I often wonder why people get crossways and then all of a sudden you've got some going this direction, others going that direction. You got backbiting. And believe me, I've I've seen enough of it already at the lowest of levels that is actually going on right now at a variety of places. And I've often think about I think about those teams, those schools, those programs going absolutely nowhere. I've always believed that. And I think that that was some of the best advice sitting here that I got from a coach. And I'm assuming that that is basically whatever sport, whatever coach we're talking about. And I mean, everybody pushing in the same direction. I've started using the term a lot because I don't have a lot of words, right? My encyclopedia is not very deep, the encyclopedia of the mind. So I've started using the term jacking around a lot. Evidently, this coach is not going to put up with any jacking around. Now, granted, we're not talking about two crucial pieces, right? I mean, they were without a crucial piece in Grover Stewart for about six weeks, and it was like, hey, welcome back. Like, welcome back, Cotter. So I do understand the hierarchy in that particular game, but it is refreshing to see if you got somebody or a couple that's not directly focused on helping this, because this is also for you. That's what I mentioned earlier. Your star for winning. You saw it on Saturday. You saw the fan base and how excited and, and drunk they were at watching this team for the first time in eight games, the first time in eight tries, and then put themselves in a better position to making the postseason. You guys are as starved for it as these players are right now. That's a good thing. So, again, 
if everybody's not pushing in that same direction, then you got to go ahead and stop the bus, open up the door, and kick them out. Evidently, that is what Shane Steichen has done today. Again, Isaiah McKenzie and Tony Brown reserve suspended list, three games, conduct detrimental to the team. That does not look good on your resume if you're either one of those players late in a playoff-worthy season. You're in the midst of a playoff run right now, right around Christmas. That is not going to be one you're going to hang at the top of your resume. So we'll discuss that, too, at 239-1070 if you so desire. A little college hoop later on tonight. Both IU and Butler in action will hit that. Indiana State over in Terre Haute. Later on this evening as well, Purdue back at number one. Purdue fans just, they don't allow themselves to be happy. I I guess, I, I can understand that. People are going to say, well, wait a minute, how do you understand that? I, I can understand having that attitude, just not any success whatsoever, but having that attitude about the Reds, my baseball team, I can understand why you just wait for March and you consider with respect to March, you always consider the worst because you've seen the worst. You've been a part of the worst. And with my baseball team, I feel the same way. Now with my baseball team, I have not had the success that Purdue fans get to soak up from this team, whether it's pre-conference or in the conference. But I do understand why you just kind of sit around and you do go ho-hum, right? I would still soak it up if I were you, but I know a lot of you go, oh, yeah, whatever, number one again. You're just kind of sitting around and you're waiting for March. All right, we can hit that if you like as well at 239-1070. Email the address is jmv at 1075thefan.com or inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You guys are watching, hopefully, listening, participating right now. I don't know what the hell's going on in there. I haven't fired it up yet, but I will coming up in a couple of minutes. A shout-out to Damon Dobbs, who actually, last week with the passing of George McGinnis, for whatever reason, I could not find a picture, an image online of the George McGinnis Converse poster where up on top the title was Big Mac. And Damon found that for me. That brings back great memories. I had on my wall, I had that poster. I had Big Mac. I had Walter Payton. Big Mac was Converse. Walter Payton was Sports Illustrated. Spud Webb in the dunk contest was Sports Illustrated. I had a, which is 1980s personified right here. I had a line of, and I'll have to tweet this out a little bit. I I found this in the past couple of months, again, in an image in social media, uh, of Porsches over, hell, I don't know, 50 years or so. Because I wanted to find the one that I, hold on, before you go, oh, yeah, you had a Porsche. Yeah, okay, Silver Spoon. Yeah, no, no. I'm not like Ricky Schroeder and Silver Spoons here. I don't have a train in the living room. I don't have Tempest in the den. I don't have smoking incredibly hot dads dating Aaron Gray in the house. Nope, nope, nope. It was a German Fiero is what it was from 1974, but I always wanted that as a part of this poster. So that was up on the wall, too. 
Uh, and a shout-out to Damon Dobbs, who found the Big Mac poster. That is awesome. Most Converse posters were legit in the day. Big Mac. And maybe that's why I was searching for the Sports Illustrated ones, and I always you know, got the uh, George McGinnis when he was with the 76ers. The Big Mac one is awesome. Well, the Pacers last night, as they should have a pregame moment of silence to you know, understand just uh, what George McGinnis, really, the impact that he had for that organization, he had for this city, this state on all levels, was immeasurable. Really was. All right, 239-1070. Got you right there if you guys want to jump on board. Rob Blackman, the voice of the Boilermakers, a little bit later on. Noah Eagle. Look up what Noah's doing this weekend. I have no idea. This first time Noah's been on the show. His dad's been on the show a number of times. That's Ian Eagle, new voice of the Final Four. TNT, CBS. His son, Noah Eagle, is on a fast track. Noah's coming on a little bit later on. Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus will run through some numbers for us as well. I got to look up the offensive line numbers have to be fantastic for this Colts team last weekend. I'm telling you, I told Stephen Holder this yesterday. I don't know how many of you agree. I don't know how much better. That felt like a perfect game for that Colts offense. I'm talking about that group, those that were available in the second half. That felt perfect, about as well as they could play. What do you got, Elijah? Well, I was going to say what Noah Eagle had done, but I just looked at it, and that's from 12-16-23. He, okay. he did the Pacers game, not the, the Purdue game, sorry. Yes, he weekend. did. Yes. He did. He did Purdue I don't know if that's what he's on for, though. James did all the scheduling, so I'll keep looking. Thanks, Elijah. That's probably more information than anybody needed, but that's okay. <laughs> he was. He was doing Arizona and Purdue here in town this past Saturday. Noah's going to join us coming up at the 5 o'clock hour as well. I mentioned Brad Spielberger of PFF. We'll break down some numbers of that offense in particular in the second half on Saturday for the Colts against the Steelers. And Greg Rakestraw all over the place. And Greg, in his usual Tuesday spot, is going to join us coming up next. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, jump in there. I'll be in there in just a second, too. We'll find out what everybody's talking about. You can watch, listen, and participate. The stream, the app, you have HD Radio, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. What did you say? I said you need a water break. You need a water break. Water is for cowards. Water makes you weak. Water is for washing blood off that uniform, and you don't get no blood on my uniform. Boy, you must be outside your mind. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Eliza's over there. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Noah Eagle's going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. He did Arizona and Purdue. Rob Blackman did Arizona and Purdue, too. The voice of the Boilermakers coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Brad Spielberger, PFF. Numbers of the Colts offensively and the big news today, conduct detrimental, the suspended list for Tony Brown and Isaiah McKenzie of the Colts earlier today. So that wipes out the remainder of the regular season for them. I'm messing around, huh? Skippy's writes this. The Pacers are struggling. Lakers are 1-3 since Vegas, too, and LeBron made mention of both teams' records since. However, I will tell you this. The reasons in which we see once again, for the most part, the Pacers' struggles are reasons they had prior to Vegas. Yeah, this is not brand new. It's not, well, we're really tired 
That's why we can't play defense. They didn't play defense that much prior to, and last night it was one of the worst defensive performances I'm assuming that any of you have ever seen inside Cambridge Fieldhouse or inside Conseco Fieldhouse or inside Market Square Arena or inside the Coliseum. That had to go down as one of the worst. I saw a lot of bad teams up here in the 1980s. Don't get me wrong. But that still had to go down as one of the worst. So a lot of the issues that we're talking about right now were also prominent before Vegas. And that's stuff they have to find solutions to. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, our solution to great conversation, regardless of what he's doing, high school, collegiate, doing the Colts post-game show, Greg Rakestraw joins us. So Shane Steichen putting the hammer down on a couple of players today. Well, that is clearly something that is different in years gone by to now, and that is player accountability. And we have often talked about that in terms of level of performance. You know, think about Deion Jackson. Think about kind of Daryl Baker, you know, being in the doghouse earlier this season. And you didn't see Tony Brown nor Isaiah McKenzie in the game on Saturday and knew that something was up. But clearly it is something significant if there have been three additional games tacked onto that uh, for the remainder of the regular season. Yeah, I mentioned, too, and bringing Greg on here, that that may have been the worst defensive performance we have seen uh, in a Pacer team in a long, long while. Did we see the best quarterback performance of Gardner Minshew? I mean, here, certainly, but maybe even ever. I thought he was tremendous, and especially that Colts offense in the second half. He was absolutely fantastic. And frankly, the numbers weren't as good as your eyeballs would tell you he was. He was better than 18 for 28 for 215 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. His quarterback rating was up there. Anything north of 100 is solid. He was 123.4. You know, I, I can literally think of a couple of passes that were errant. You know, one that was deflected because of his height. He kind of has to deal with that. He had the one, literally the one time they threw the ball on that drive that took nine minutes where they ran up the first 13 plays. That throw to Pierce was a bit high. You know, the numbers that Gardner had was fantastic. Um, and he had some drops that were mixed in there as well. A rare pivot drop. The obvious DJ Montgomery drop in the end, so he literally would make up for the very next drive with that touchdown grab. But you're right. Um, you know, for, for all, because of the no names in terms of Sermon and Goodson and Montgomery, Gardner's performance kind of got a, a little bit on Saturday night, but he was absolutely fantastic. I think other than special teams, that was the best effort from the Colts this season, and clearly that was the case for Gardner Minshew on Saturday as well. It's a Greg Rakeser on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Of course, the Colts post-game show host. He has you again coming up on Christmas Eve after the Colts take on the Atlanta Falcons down in Atlanta. I mentioned this to Stephen Holder yesterday. I thought that was as close to a perfect performance for this group, for this yep. group, and minus who you know may have been out there and, and no longer was, for example, like Michael Pittman Jr., I thought that that was as near perfect for that group offensively as they could get. And again, that particular group, would you agree? I would agree. Uh, and again, for the Colts, and I, and I realize the Steelers aren't a great team, 
but they're pretty successful defensively. Their defense has kept them in games. Colts forced them, you know, for 30 points in that game. And, again, you don't have Jonathan Taylor. Then you lose Zach Moss. You don't have Michael Pittman Jr., who has been by far your most reliable player on offense the entirety of the year. He had four catches and 78 yards before he left. But, again, D.J. Montgomery had three career NFL catches before that game. He played for the Michigan Panthers. The last couple of guys that we talked about in the National Football League that played for the Michigan Panthers were Bobby Bear and Anthony Carter. <sighs> Trey Sermon had 223 yards career yards rushing for that game. He had 88. Tyler Goodson had not had a carry in the National Football League. He had a 31-yard run. So, as I said in the postgame show on Saturday night, that was a victory for the entire organization. That spoke volumes to the job that Chris Ballard has done, and every general manager talks about this. And we'll talk about a roster depth from, say, 1 through 53. Chris will say from 1 through 90 in terms of the preseason. And now because of the practice squad, maybe you say it's 1 through 69. But that was a win for the entire organization, by the way, that that, that group stepped up with the key pieces that were missing. Again, against a not a great team, but one you're fighting for for a playoff spot, and against pretty good defense. You know, think about this. You know, Pittsburgh and Cleveland are two of the best defenses in the league, and the Colts have put more than 30 points up against both of those teams. It shows you just the job that Shane Sykin has done as a play caller and a play designer this year. This is Greg Gregstraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'm going to go go ahead and go down the pecking order here. The first game on Saturday was IU. A little bit afternoon, about 12.30 down in Bloomington against number two Kansas. They lose uh, a large lead in the second half, 12-13 or so. They lose that game. Boilermakers beat Arizona. Purdue back to number one. Indiana State over Ball State. And then obviously Butler back in action against Georgetown later on tonight. Starting with IU, run down your thoughts of the past week for some of our local collegiate basketball teams. Where we're glossing over IUPUI and Lindenwood is, is what you're telling me. Well, well um, I can so bring far. I can bring that up because I, I did want to ask you. I just <laughs> I, I I don't I don't I like Luke a great deal, and I think Luke is going to end up doing what is best. I've often wondered why that basketball program cannot catch any traction. And I want to see it do so. And I don't want to see it get clowned like it got clowned a little bit yeah. on, on uh, when was that, Saturday? with uh, what's, yeah. that, what's that dude that went out there and tried to check in on the LeBron jersey? But you were doing that yeah. game, right? And so Lord knows my phone has been blowing up about that for the last couple of days. Uh, and for the most part, uh, I have done what I have done in terms of the actual play-by-play call of that happening, which is ignore it completely. Yeah. But, yes, uh, the Luke of which you speak is Luke Basso, our shared friend who's the new director of athletics at IUPUI. And I do think brighter days are ahead for that program. Saturday's not one of them. Now I'll actually go and answer your question. Uh, And so in in terms of Indiana University, it was better. Um, And, again, when you play at a level at which they play, when you have the Big Ten, you know, this is not like Indiana had to win that game to be an NCAA tournament team. It would have helped tremendously, uh, but they've got 15 more shots for wins like that um, in, in the Big Ten. Big picture, they're going to be fine. Again, I think they're more of the conversation of, you know, are you an NCAA tournament team? That would have gone a long way to help, but they've got plenty of time to rectify that over the course of the next three months. 
In terms of Indiana State, I thought that was massive. Uh, in terms of Indiana State, what I also think now you get into, um, you know, for the Sycamores is you got to get through tonight's game against Tennessee State. Then you have a game that makes your season right. in terms of playing Michigan State. Yep. Um, because there, as you well know, there are now fewer opportunities for wins like that, even for schools at a Missouri Valley Conference level, to win a game like that one. So get through this one, and then you've got 11 days to get ready. I don't care if Michigan State's down. It is still at the Breslin Center. That is a, res- that, that, that a top-of-the-graphic win if Indiana State has a prayer of being an NCAA tournament team without having to win three consecutive days in Arch Madness. So it was a good win for them on Saturday. It was a great stage for them on Saturday. It was for Ball State as well. And in terms of Purdue, I am trying to listen to friends of mine to say, listen, enjoy this. Given whom they have beaten so far this year, um, and not just be that guy that says, I don't care, get me to March 22nd. Because this should be fun. This should be enjoyable. They play a great brand of basketball to go and watch. Um, and, and the guard play was tremendous against Arizona. And that seemingly is the question, you know, for this basketball team. So a couple of, 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 of cupcakes, speed bumps coming up, which they have earned given how good their schedule has been to this point. So I'm trying not to be, you know, Stadler and Waldorf, the old dudes, you know, at the end of the Muppet show and saying, well, okay, let's get to March. <laughs> so I, I should acknowledge how, how good and how fun that win was for Purdue on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, in, in an atmosphere, too, and I think some people were surprised with what Purdue ended up bringing to the table. Not Purdue yep. fans, certainly, but I think some people that maybe were more leaning to IU, maybe not so much Purdue fans, I think they're a little bit surprised about how Gamebridge Fieldhouse looked for that game. Well, you heard me talk about this last week. I think it was on Tuesday last week that this event sold out. And, and, and being the second year removed from IU saying, now nah, we're going on the Crossroads Classic and then kind of Notre Dame and, and Butler following suit, um, I thought that was great. And again, um, I, I'll admit to you, you know, like last year's event, Purdue plays in it. What was it? Purdue, Davidson, Ball State, Illinois State, I think was, was the four teams last year. And you, you kind of begrudgingly said maybe IU was right. You know, if it's not a, a Purdue-Butler doubleheader, but to Purdue's credit, and obviously their success and everything but March Madness has been great the last few years. But I thought that was a big win for the Indiana Sports Corp and a big win for the Boilermakers in terms of the atmosphere, the W, the whole nine yards. So your impression on 9-2 and two Butler, they start the Big East tonight at home against Georgetown. The Hoyas are 7-4 and four with Ed Cooley in year number one. We will learn a lot more about Butler, not just tonight, but obviously in future Big East games. But this is the step they had to make to has largely disappeared. And I'll be the first to say it's in part because they are not airing their games on the radio station, which you and I are, are speaking on right now. I think that was a, 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 a miscue, um, you know, by, by both parties, to be blunt about it. Um, but they, they've not been worth talking about for the most part of the last three or four years. You know, they would have made the tournament in the COVID pandemic year, but that's been about it as of late. So... Now uh, you're, you're checking all the boxes. You're beating the teams you're supposed to beat. I'm not sure great how great Texas Tech, Cal, et cetera, are, but you're not slipping up and losing those games. So now let's see if, again, Georgetown, 
They're going to win with Ed Cooley. I'm not sure it's going to be this year. Right. They're going to win with him eventually. So take advantage of the opportunity. Get them while you can. Um, again, because of the conference in which they are now a part of, stack wins, to use an NFL term. Get to 20 wins. Give yourself a chance to be in the NCAA tournament conversation. I really think that's what it's about for Thad Mott and Butler right oh, now. Wow, it would be great to get it like a Marquette or a Creighton at Hinkle Fieldhouse, too, to yeah. add to that, too. I, I think that's kind of what you're you're bringing up in terms of Thad Mata's hopes. Of course, yeah. I mean, again, this is one where even though it's your conference opener, Georgetown and DePaul have kind of been the two programs that, frankly, have been underneath Butler over the course of, of the last two- or three-year run. So don't step on the banana peel. Get this one, and then when you kind of resume league play at the conclusion of Christmas, uh, then, then, then get right back to it if you're the Butler Bulldogs. What do you got coming up later on this week? Well, actually, um, I, I know that, that Kevin Bowen is usually, what, Wednesday at 5 o'clock? Yep. Is that right? On the show? Yep. KB, say hello. John, how are you? Hey, there's Kev. What are we We're doing, doing here? A little, I'm taking a night off. We're doing a little road trip. So literally, <laughs> um, we are on the south side of South Bend as we speak. Oh, God. beautiful. We are on our way to Purcell Pavilion. Kevin has not been to Notre Dame basketball game in, here in 10 years. I have not been to one here in 21 years. Because of Micah Shrewsbury being the head coach at Notre Dame, I've got several friends that are on the staff. My buddy Brian Giffen is the radio, and you know Giff, yes. as the radio voice of the Citadel. Notre Dame and the Citadel play tonight at 6 o'clock. And uh, I've got uh, combos and Mountain Dew, and I'm sure more adult beverages will be available at Purcell Pavilion. But I'm uh, going to a game as a fan for the first time in forever here in about uh, two hours from now. So who's, um, who's the uh, former insurance guy from Brownsburg that's on that staff with Micah? Everybody knows him as Ghost. He is better known as Ryan Owen. Yes, he played for Bruce is. Pearl yeah. down at USI, and that's who I got my tickets from. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Yes, it is. So, so, so Ryan Owen's on the staff. Brian Snow, that's part of the operations uh, effort yeah. for Notre Dame, he went to Micah with Penn State. Obviously, I know Micah as well. Going to check in. My buddy Carlos Knox is on the L. Ivy staff uh, up at Notre Dame as well. So this is a, a little getaway and, and reunion time up here in South Bend as we speak. In case you didn't know, I've never in my life been to South Bend. Never. Really? Never been there. Not once. Okay. Well, we're, you're not missing anything, John, to be totally <laughs> fair with you. We're going through the scenic south side, and I'm using scenic very loosely uh, as we drive through South Bend. But it's been, I think I was here for a wedding like the night that Tayshawn Prince blocked Reggie Miller's yeah. shot in game two. I think that was the last time I was in downtown South Bend proper. I think the closest I've been, LaPorte. That's the closest I've been to South Bend, LaPorte, Indiana. And that's way, that's, like, that's way, way back. Like I watched Kiss meets the Phantom in the park the last time I was in LaPorte in 1978. True story. That's like potentially two feet of lake effect snow away from South Bend. That, that's like a whole county west of here. Wow, you guys are rolling up there like Thelma and Louise. That's hell. That's fun right there. And we're both aging like Brad Pitt. So that's a very <laughs> apropos comparison to make, yes. All right, you guys have fun, man. I appreciate that. And by the way, too, I've I've got to attend a, a funeral down where I grew up for one of my friends, unfortunately, tomorrow. So your pal and mine, our pal, Derek Schultz, will be in tomorrow, and Derek will be talking to Kevin in the 5 o'clock hour tomorrow. And they will have a a very intelligent conversation. I have zero doubt about no that. No question about that. Fellas, be careful up there and have a good time. 
See you, dude. Merry Christmas, John. <laughs> right back at you, Kim. <laughs> Kevin Bowen, I want to retweet this picture right here. Greg wasn't lying. Combos and Mountain Dews happening right there. <laughs> Seriously, I've never been to South Bend. Elijah, have you? The furthest I got was Elkhart, and that was enough. I've I mean, never been to Elkhart. Elkhart's not that great. It's really, I don't want to diss Elkhart, but I did not really enjoy my experience there. So. I've never been to Elkhart, nor have I been to South. We're talking about stuff way too close to Michigan. Way, way too close. I don't want to have any Michigan rub off on me. Never been to South Bend. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Brad Spielberger of PFF is going to join us coming up after four. Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers, and Noah Eagle. He is a television voice, among other things. Peacock this past Saturday with Arizona and Purdue. Noah joins us in the 5 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5. The Ride with JMV. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, not one time to South Bend. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, shout out to Greg Rakestraw for joining us, too, on the way to South Bend to see Notre Dame with Kevin Bowen. Road tripping with Rake. <laughs> that is pretty good right there. Uh, Corey Hall says, I spent many a Christmas in the ports with my late grandparents. You know, one of the things, and I, and I often feel bad about this when I think about it, um, but when you have an estranged father like I did, estranged and a strange father like I had, unfortunately, you lose track, and I lost track with that set of grandparents. And that's something that I try not to have regrets. That's a big-time regret that I have. Uh, Dan Laporte, me down here. So, I mean, basically early 80s, I think, may have been the last time I was there. I can tell you this. I remember watching the Bears. I remember a lot of things, as you well know. I I was watching a Bears game up there the last time I was there. And their quarterback was Vince Evans. Their quarterback was Vince Evans. That's how long ago it was. So that had to be early 80s. That is a true story. It's from Tim. I drink a Mountain Dew anytime in the afternoon. I will not sleep. You know what's funny about this? For the past seven years, I have not had one soft drink. Carbonated soft drink. You know what I mean? Like, I used to drink Diet Dr. Pepper and Diet Mountain Dew and Diet Pepsi like it was going out of style. Or like I was trying to be in style and it was in style. I'm I'm slamming eight, nine. And this goes back to the days when I drank nothing but Big Red. No wonder I have stomach issues. And then somebody had told me seven years ago, hey, you know what? You drop all those sodas and you're going to lose weight. I have lost this much. If you're watching via YouTube Live, a big fat donut hole, zero. Not one ounce because of that. But I just, damn, it's weird. It, It all tastes really too sweet now. I don't think I could ever go back to it. Oh, yeah, you're going to lose all this weight. All this weight you're going to lose, and it's going to be great. I guess it's great because 
I'm not drinking anymore and I don't end up feeling ill at about two in the morning because of it. Acid reflux or something like that, but it has not done anything in the realm of weight loss for me. Thank you very much. Yeah, combos and Mountain Dew. Uh, JMV, I don't know how many times the Pacers need to get embarrassed to man up, but I was ready to man up for them a week ago, and that's part of the issue. It's one of those things where it makes you wonder regarding the Pacers and last night giving up 151 in that loss to the Clippers. It makes you wonder, I if not now, when? Or if not by now, when? Really just anything, just a sign of resistance, and that's everybody. That includes Tyrese Halliburton. That is everybody. Well, they were down three players last night. To me, that would have not had an ounce of an effect on the outcome. Maybe it saves them 10 points, but they're still taking a beating. And with what you're saying right here, I get, problem is you would think that they would have already recognized this. And clearly they have not. Elijah's in for James. Quick break, and we shall return. Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers, bottom of the 4 o'clock hour. Noah Eagle is going to join us from Peacock. Can he get free Peacock for me? You think? I, can I ask him? You can ask him. I sent his do you dad want, some do you want to know what? Do you want to know what he's uh, doing on Monday? I do want to know what he's, he's doing. He's doing the Nickelodeon Monday Night Football game. you got to ask him about that. Nickelodeon. Yes, Nickelodeon. Like, you know how they do like all the fun yeah, slime the stuff? Yes. The slime. you yeah. got you got to ask him about that. You know what? I didn't have Nickelodeon growing up. I was 16, I think, but when, when when Double Dare was a thing, because obviously their their host is is from here, went to North Central like Jake did. But I was too old, I think, for Double Dare then. All right, quick one, we'll come back. Brad Spielberger, PFF, just how good we saw this Colts offensive line play. And Shane Steichen putting down the hammer. If you haven't heard, don't go anywhere. I've got the info for you next. The Ride with JMV. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Rakestra. And Kevin Bowen doing their best Thelma and Louise. Going to South Bend. Who'd they say? Is it Sienna and Notre Dame tonight? So Greg joined us, podcast 1075thefan.com. JMV, I was at the game with no pick and pop with 33 defense, can take zero completely out of the game. That is even with Jackson playing really well. Hey, don't try to tell anybody on my timeline that, all right? Don't try to tell anybody that. One of these days, Milford, this is a true story, man. One of these days when some of these clowns around here get their wish, and if you're a clown around here, you know exactly who you are. When one of these clowns, some of these clowns get their wish, that is the first thing that they're going to realize. First thing. Like, I got it last night. 33 didn't even play. It takes away... 
takes away something from the game that is significant that we have seen in the growth of this team, it does. But again, you add all three of those guys back, and that is still awful last night. Now, these guys, unless you're going to make some major deal, these guys within themselves are going to have to just find a little bit of pride. A little bit? Just a little bit. It's not like they're unathletic. Not like they don't know what they're doing. Why is it so difficult? Like when James Harden gets into it like he did last night, as much as I hate to see it, and he just clowned all over the Pacers, as much as I hate to see it, all right. And I know that they have three future Hall of Famers, as tough as that is to digest. But it's even more difficult to watch them put up 151 so effortlessly and then celebrate like Kawhi Leonard was celebrating well beyond. I I didn't see him celebrate that much when he won an NBA title. And when you have James Harden doing snow angels on the floor, do you show that film if you're Rick Carlisle again and say, somebody's going to have to step up and do something. I guess if you have a long season, maybe pride doesn't kick in as well. Hey, you got another one coming up. Oh, by the way, at home on Wednesday to a team, embarrassingly enough, they've already lost to once at home. One of those five that we talk about. All right, we'll get back to that coming up in a minute. Rob Blackman, bottom of the hour. PFF, that's Pro Football Focus. His name is Brad Spielberger, and he joins us on this Tuesday per usual after four here in Indy. Hello, Brad. How are you? Hey, doing well. Hey, doing. Brad, it was an interesting weekend. Finally, the Colts get past the Steelers for the first time in about eight tries in what was an off-its-hinges Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday afternoon, early Saturday evening. They remain solidified in the AFC playoff picture, and maybe, just maybe, we saw the best offensive line performance of the season. I'm curious. I want to go there first with this offensive line. What did you and the fellows of PFF think about that offensive performance from that line, especially, Brad, in the second half? Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I think you saw right away in the, in the second half, setting the tone early was that, that pin and pull uh, run to the right for about 20 yards, just perfect execution, a great block from Andrew Ogletree as well. Uh, but Quentin Nelson comes across and has a phenomenal block. Uh, to spring. I don't even think it was Zach Moss. I guess it would have been, uh, you know, the third stringer at that point because uh, Moss was probably dealing with the injury. Yeah, Tyler Goodson, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was Goodson at that point. And, and it just kind of set the tone for, because, like, quietly that game, like, you think about it in retrospect, you forget that they were down 13 nothing, um, and then rattled up a bunch of points. But, yeah, they, they were as good as they've been in any game so far this season. Um, a really, really impressive performance. But, for me in particular, how they moved in the run game, um, you know, just clean footwork, clean execution, getting square on uh, on defenders, and just driving them out of plays, um, you know, displacing ends. There were good reps against Alex Highsmith, who's a problem in the run game. T.J. Watts not an easy guy to move either. Uh, even Kim Hayward got taken for a ride um, on a couple runs, which almost never happens. Like, they, they, they did. I, I'm with you. It was one of the better performances they've had uh, in a very long time. It's a Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus. He's going to give us some analytics, some numbers from this past weekend. He's joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. 
Who among, was it just everybody on this offensive line? Because if you remember a, a week prior, we didn't think too much of it whatsoever against Cincinnati, especially with Bernard Ryman, second-year guy, struggling probably about as much as we've seen, certainly this season, at left tackle. But uh, did everybody across the board, especially in the second half, have an outstanding day for the Colts along that offensive line Saturday? The only one to point out, and, and it's a tough assignment for anyone, but the rookie break, Blake Freeland going up against T.J. Watt, obviously got uh, some, some tough snaps out there, but yep. uh, the, the best right tackles in football can look silly against T.J. Watt at times. But I think it's important to mention Ryman because I think it was a massive bounce-back spot for him. And Alex Highsmith is a very, very good player, um, has one of the deeper bags of tricks, has a great spin move, a great inside counter, a good long arm for kind of an undersized squat guy like himself. Like, he's a nuanced rusher. He has a great second step to get good bursts upfield. He's a hard guy to block. And I thought Ryman handled him very, very well um, on the left side. I think him and Quentin were kind of the, the highlight guys. Um, but then, yeah, Wolf Rise continues to play solid football. Um, and, and Ryan Kelly really having a nice season, just running the show, getting everyone in place. Uh, but, yeah, as a run unit, I thought they were just they – were, they were exceptional. So Gardner Minshew maybe had – his best game of his career. Certainly, as a starter for the Colts, that was his best game, but maybe throughout his career as well. How well did he play under center for the Colts? Yeah, that was one of the highest passing grades he's had, not only this season, but the last couple of years. And I think the key for me there was against a good pass rush with both interior pass rushers and the edge guys. I've talked about, at times, his footwork being a little bit spotty and, and causing some problems. I thought he was so calm in the pocket and didn't panic, didn't bail from clean pockets. He trusted the protection. There was a lot of, look, the RPO game and, uh, you know, half-field read kind of play-action game that just makes it simple for him, and the receivers were getting open with regularity. But I think he also deserves a lot of credit for just not panicking and just trusting the protection. You know, outside of a couple T.J. Watts sacks, he didn't really get hit, um, and I think he played really, really well inside of the structure of the offense. Yeah, and I thought really T.J. Watt stuff happened, I thought, early when they got out, when the Steelers got out to that advantage, and then everybody around here was saying, oh, here we go again. And then really from that point on, and especially in the second half, I thought the Colts had ownership in the trenches on both sides of the football. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The Steelers' offensive line, uh, we had three different offensive linemen for them give up uh, at least six pressures. Uh, three guys had a, a pass block grade below 35. It was the worst game they played all season long. So kind of the counter uh, to, to what we just talked about. I mean, James Daniels, the right guard, who's a good player, uh, earned a 0.0 pass block grade, uh, <laughs> which if people didn't know, it is possible. It happens like three or four times a year because uh, DeForest Buckner was just, I, it was just, I mean, having his way with him. And, and like I said, he's a good player. So, yeah, I mean, the tackles for them uh, struggled throughout the entire game. Dan Moore Jr. at left tackle has uh, eight pressures on the day. Um, I think you saw another good game from Dio Dangbo. Um, you know, Quiddy Pega got him a couple times. But, yeah, like everyone played well. Like the return of Grover Stewart is really important, too. And not that he's a pass rusher, but I think he just frees up space for everybody else. He clogs up the middle, takes on combo blocks and, and things of that nature, um, and just lets other guys tee off. And you saw it in this game. Yeah, it, and I'm going to say that most teams would love putting that second half together up front on both sides of the football. That's kind of a, a, a coach's fantasy. Is it not across the board in the NFL to have their team, both sides of the football, be dominant up front as the Colts were in that second half? 110%. It, it almost makes the game of football look easy, right? You, you just control the line of scrimmage, and, and you just 
you're imposing your will. Like it's all the football cliches. Like say them all, and they, and they all apply to that game. They just, yeah, they just had their way with the Steelers on both sides of the ball. And it just, it, you know, like I, I actually don't even think as much as I love Steichen and think he's been exceptional this year. I think it was more just execution than him being some genius, which is which is great to see. Like you can't always have all the bells and whistles and, and just scheme things up and get guys, you know, running wide open and and, and busted coverages and all that, which there was some of that, but it was really just really really flawless execution i think everyone's on the same page and and sometimes it, it, football can be a simple game when you play it that way so brad spielberger a pro football focus he's with us via the andy moore automotive group hotline if you don't mind i'd like to fast forward to this weekend christmas eve the colts are down in atlanta and last we checked in on the falcons it was an absolute disaster Against a then one win team, they got a win over them in Charlotte in the weather in Charlotte, North Carolina as well. And they go now with Taylor Heineke and no more Desmond Ritter. What what's that mean in in your belief for their offense? Is it why well, I bring this up for this reason? He looked good for the commanders here a year ago. Now again, that was a different Colts team. That was a different team for him as well. But this substitution at quarterback may mean what, if anything at all, this weekend? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, Heineke is at this point is certainly better than a dozen Ritter. I mean, Ritter has really just been borderline unplayable, uh, you know, for much of this season. You know, no wide receiver in that game had 25 receiving yards, and he was only pressured per us on two dropbacks. So it's like not even that he was dealing with, you know, an overwhelming amount of pressure against Carolina. He just was missing throws. Um, and, and just not even seeing things. So Heineke comes with, with high variance, though. There's going to be some good. He's going to uncork it. He's not going to be afraid to let Drake London chase on a jump ball. Um, but he's also going to put the ball in harm's way probably more often than a Desmond Ritter. He'll take more sacks and, and not just get rid of the football. Um, but, no, I, I think it does matter. I, I think he'll be motivated. He'll be inspired and fired up to play. Um, and, and I think it's more of like the, the high variance outcome. It could go great. Uh, it could go even more poorly, and they could, you could kind of throw them out of the game. How, is, how do you view, and again, this is a very early view here as we're talking on a Tuesday that Brad Spielberger of PFF. How do you view, again, this offensive line we were talking about looks so good for the Colts in the second half, that matchup with Atlanta on Christmas Eve? Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing there, I think, will be the offensive line for Atlanta and the health. So, so Chris Lindstrom, their right guard, one of the best guards, maybe the best guard in football right now, did not play in their last game, um, and, and that was a, a massive, massive absence for them. And so, you know, if he's still out, you are going to see, you know, problems caused by, you know, DeForest Buckner and others. So that's a big piece right there. Um, they've had a couple other injuries across the offensive line, too. Um, that's something I would monitor going forward. Otherwise, their run defense has been good. They, they still have not allowed a rushing touchdown the entire season. Um, in Atlanta, uh, and, and you see, um, you know, they just they, they gang tackle well. The safeties come up and make plays uh, against the run. The linebackers are, are fast sideline to sideline um, and, and don't allow a lot of explosive rushes. So, you know, breaking off those big gainers might not be there as much for Indy. Um, but I think you can throw over the middle against them. You can throw to the cornerback, not named A.J. Terrell. Uh, you can pick on a little bit out wide. Um, I, I like the matchup overall because – they don't really have a pass rush, and so Minshew should have time. And with time and a healthy Michael Pittman, uh, of course, you know I think you will find an open receiver more often than not. 
He is Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, every Tuesday in the 4 o'clock hour here with all the information, the numbers, the analytics that you need regarding the Colts and other teams. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And some of those other teams reside in the AFC South. How about those in the general vicinity of the Colts right now? Starting with Jacksonville, their situation in concussion protocol, their direction first, but their situation at quarterback with Trevor Lawrence. And then obviously the Texans survived in Nashville with Case Keenum and a late field goal in overtime, but no C.J. Stroud this past week because he's in concussion protocol how do you view the teams around the Colts in this run for the postseason? And really right now, this run for the division title. Yeah. So, you know, Houston has a lot of these these massive leverage games. The Cleveland game coming up is, is a huge one. Are they going to have C.J. Stroud? Are they going to have wide receiver Nico Collins? Um, it is going to be huge because, you know, then it's Tennessee and Indy to close it out. So, you know, this upcoming weekend against one of the best defenses in football, that absolutely shut out the Chicago Bears in the second half of that game. Granted, there were some drops and other issues for Chicago's offense, but, but that's going to be huge because, you know, Jacksonville going to Tampa, probably looking like an easy win coming into the season. Now I'm not so sure. I mean, that is a defense in Tampa that hasn't played well, uh, but if Trevor Lawrence cannot go, can they score enough um, and take advantage of a very, very porous uh, secondary for Tampa that is just decimated with injury? If they can't, you know, it's going to cause problems because the Jaguars' defense right now is just not playing good football. I mean, you can throw on them the boundary. Their run defense has regressed. It was great to start the year. It's pretty much average now. Um, that, that defense is a problem. Like, it's not just Trevor and that offense not clicking and, and struggling in the red zone time and time again. Their defense is losing their football game. So, you know, I think Houston is, is maybe even a bigger threat, as crazy as it sounds, um, but, yeah, I mean, the Colts the Colt are healthier and, and, and things are looking up, and, and I think everything is, is in front of them. So, Brad Spielberger, a PFF with us, too. Is it amazing to see what they're doing in Cleveland? You know, obviously with the injuries, with Joe Flacco and being 9-5 and five right now, is that kind of off the charts for you, the way you've looked at things with this team moving forward? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the difference in quarterbacks they've had, where you go from a Dorian Thompson-Robinson to a Joe Flacco, could not stylistically be different types of players um, and fairly seamlessly transition. And look, Flacco could have thrown five interceptions against the Bears. <laughs> like, uh, But at the same time, he's playing behind his fourth and fifth offensive tackle. Um, there have been other injuries. Of course, the defense for them has been pretty banged up recently. And they just continue to overcome, play really, really good in the second half. Kevin Stefanski's had a great screen game all year with these, these tunnel screens to David Njoku and Jerome Ford and just getting everyone involved in that offense and just working around the injuries and issues. And then, yeah, Flacco, with all his experience, uh, just finding a way, 212 passing yards in the fourth quarter against Chicago. It has been impressive. I think Stefanski is kind of – I kind of lumped him in with a Shane Steichen where they just, they've been able to yeah. kind of completely change their offense um, and just overcome a lot of adversity. What's your suggestion on the Bengals and where they stand right now? And it looks like that that Jake Brennan, granted, I mean, the Vikings did all they could to give away that game. Ultimately, they did on Saturday, but... I mean, Jake Browning's hanging in. They still have those skill position players. Obviously, the, the the chase injury is dealt them moving forward now a blow. But what what's been your impression on the Bengals here in the past three or so weeks? 
Yeah, they really have been impressive. Uh, and I think the first game with Jake Browning, you saw them against Pittsburgh, like not really push the ball down the field. And they've realized they just need to, and he's answered the bell. I mean, he was 10 of 15 for 200 yards and a touchdown on throws 10-plus yards downfield this past game. Obviously, the touchdown being that miraculous, you know, T. Higgins reached for the pylon. Uh, but he really has been willing to push the ball over the middle of the field. He's been targeting Tanner Hudson, the tight end, and Tyler Boyd, the wide receiver. Um, and then they also have had a great screen game. Uh, you know, Chase Brown, the rookie running back, has really come along the last month or so and makes guys miss in space. He's shifty, just has more acceleration than Joe Mixon at this stage of their career. So it's really been impressive because the defense has not been kind of the Cincinnati Bengals defense we're used to. The offense has kind of had to come on and, and answer the bell with a backup quarterback, and they really have. So Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We made light of this team maybe a month ago, but after certainly that win over Dallas and the fashion in which they did uh, in their home stadium, it kind of seems like Buffalo is on a different plane right now. What do you think about Josh Allen and the Bills moving forward? Yeah, they might be the hottest team in football right now. And, and the offense really was pretty much good the entire season. You know, there, there were some times where they struggled in the red zone or – you know, struggled on third down and couldn't run the football. And I think that's the biggest thing is that Joe Brady comes in um, and his focal point, it seems outwardly, has been getting James Cook involved, getting him going. I mean, he is top five in scrimmage yards the last four weeks and the Bills had a bye in week 13. Um, that's how involved he's been. And you look at Joe Brady's history, he's worked with Christian McCaffrey. He worked with Clyde Edwards there in, in, at LSU. Like he knows how to get these, these lighter, shiftier, scat back type players not that McCaffrey is, <laughs> falls in that bucket necessarily, but line him up in the slot, get him the ball quickly in space. Um, you, you know, it's just it's been really, really impressive what he's been able to do. I think that is the difference. I mean, Josh Allen barely, barely threw the ball uh, against Dallas. They, they just ran the ball down their throat. And I do think that's the one difference maybe you could point to with Joe Brady taking over for uh, Ken Dorsey and Buffalo. Kansas City have issues enough right now not to believe that they can't go deep into the postseason or – this is just a lot of worry for nothing in your estimation. The worry's real, but at the same time, there's just no juggernaut in the AFC, right? So, you know, Baltimore without Mark Andrews still has their issues. Um, you look at the, you know, the Buffalo's defense, yes, they play well against Dallas, but they've been not a very good unit for much of the season. Like, they do need to figure it out. Rasheed Rice, the rookie receiver, is coming along, is playing much better football, emerging as that top option besides Travis Kelsey. But going forward long term, like, it's not going to be a consistently contending roster. But that said, just because of all the quarterback injuries, if they get some home playoff games with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, uh, you, know, you, you can't rule them out. It's, uh, again, Brad Spielberger. He's a PFF, and I'm assuming writing about a lot here late in this season because things around here are incredibly fun. I'm assuming you're having a great deal of fun as well. I certainly am, although uh, the Colts fans should be happy. They don't care about my content just yet. I'm doing free agency work. So the top 50 free agents just came out. Uh, top 100. Yep, top 100 is coming out uh, this week as well. A lot of Colts on there. Talk about Grover Stewart, Julian Blackman, um, you know, a bunch of names. You know, top of my head, I can't think of them all. But, yeah, that, that's what I'm working on uh, is the top 100 free agent list right now. So keep an eye out for that. And hopefully doesn't matter until after the playoffs for the Colts. Where's up, Michael Pittman Jr. rank? Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a top 10 name for you right there. <laughs> now, uh, and I want to ask you this, and, and I want to see him get back because he took an absolute wicked hit on Saturday in that win over the Steelers. But he is somebody that gets catches in bunches, but it normally 
does not equate to large levels of yardage. How do you view that in terms of how you and others at PFF view a number one wide receiver surrounding the yeah. NFL, throughout the NFL in this case? Yeah, I mean, his profile is so, so unique, and I talk about it a bit in the article because a focal point is finding comparable players and uh, you know, kind of help people have context of similar situations in years past and go, look, hey, I'll go check out the stats for some guy from 2016 and what did he do and how does that inform the situation Trying to find an outside receiver, a six foot four, two hundred twenty pounder with an average depth of target of eight yards down the field, uh, it doesn't exist. Basically, there is there is not a, a clean comparison player for a Michael Pittman. So it's interesting. Is that entirely because of him? Probably not. You know, I think this year with Anthony Richardson, I bet his average depth of target would have gone up a good chunk. I think you are seeing him with cleaner footwork out, out of his breaks and creating more separation. So it's not all contested catch stuff and all, you know, possession type receiver stuff. I think he has improved his lateral agility and, and, and getting open. Um, but yeah, I think he's a franchise tag candidate. He's, a, he's too good to let go. Um, he's, you know, catching the ball in the red zone and scoring more frequently and, and all these high leverage moments. He's been great, but yeah, it's a fascinating and, and very unique profile for Michael Pittman. He's just a badass dude. He is. And I, I listen, I don't think there's any way the Colts think about letting him go, nor should they in this case. I, I don't think they can, uh, you know, especially with a rookie contract quarterback and just a young quarterback that you want to grow. Like, I mean, he's a quarterback's best friend. I mean, like truly, you throw the ball to Michael Pittman, you're confident he's going to catch it, um, whether he's in traffic or it's a little bit off target. He's probably going to come down with the football. That's a blessing for a guy like an Anthony Richardson. Uh, it's a Brad Spielberger again. Grover Stewart, Grover Stewart, and Julian Blackman. You brought them up. Just a couple of, of bits and pieces. Again, this is more for the off season. But what about in the present time? Your thoughts on on their return and their market value? Yeah, so Stewart. It's always tough to gauge with the, the suspension. Um, but you know, for example, David Onyemata had a six game suspension. Yeah. Uh, you know, different different player. But uh, you know, did, did did very well in free agency. So maybe Stewart's fine there. Um, and then Blackman's fascinating too, where he kind of was their deep third free safety in this Gus Edwards cover, uh, Gus Edwards, <laughs> Gus Bradley, uh, cover three scheme. He's been playing in the box on like 70% of snaps this year. And I actually think it's a better fit for his skill set. Um, you know, former corner in college, I think you see some of that, the ability to make more plays by lining up near the line of scrimmage. Um, and obviously, yeah, had the interception in this past game. I think it's a good fit for him. I, you know, I think he is willing to kind of throw his body around a little bit. Anyway, uh, market value for both isn't crazy. You know, Blackman's skill set is, is, is kind of a, a skill set you can find in free agency fairly easily. Um, and then Stewart's isn't, but obviously, you know, a run-stuffing 30-year-old nose tackle coming off of suspension, they're not really going to break the bank uh, per se. So I think both guys, if they want to have him back, they could. And the name I forgot to mention was Kenny Moore, yeah. uh, who's having, having a great season as well. But also, again, you know, as good as he's been – Slot corner is just not a competitive market. So I think if the Colts want these guys back, they, they, they could have them all back. They're top five in cap space um, for 2024. They have a lot of flexibility financially to do whatever they want. He is Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. You can find all of his work there. You can find him at 4 o'clock every Tuesday breaking down those numbers with us right here. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Crew Potline. Brad, fantastic job per usual. We'll do it again next week. Sounds great. Thank you. Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus. In case you missed it, the Colts suspended Tony Brown and Isaiah McKenzie. 
three games, so the final three of the regular season, for conduct detrimental to the team. Now, you're asking me what that conduct may be. We are efforting to find out. I've got a lot of people telling me what they believe that it is. But we'll see if we can find that out. Rob Blackman, meantime, voice of the Boilers, bottom of the hour, and uh, Noah Eagle, voice nationally. He's got the Nickelodeon game on Monday night coming up. He did Arizona and Purdue on Peacock this last Saturday as well. Noah joins us at the 5 o'clock hour, 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, crank that up for me, Elijah. I got a little Allison change on this re-entry right here. Thank you very much for joining us, you. Hopefully, you always do it this time. Every single Tuesday, Monday through Friday. Saw Jeremiah Johnson sent this out via X. No excuses made by Pacer players today after that uh, embarrassing loss at home last night. No other way to put that either. Buddy Heald said multiple times, quote, there's no crying in basketball while acknowledging what a win can do to get things turned around. Well, then do it, man. Do it. Last night was awful. And we're talking about both sides of the football, or as they reference it, the trenches. With the Colts, defensively, they've tied, and we've talked about this too, an indie record of sacks in 14 games. We know that. Well, actually, I know that because that was a question on the Colts pregame huddle. That goes back to the Mathis-Freeney era, then prior to that, like maybe in the 80s. They forced a turnover now in 19 consecutive games. Forced fumbles, they are second in the NFL. In sacks, they are third. And they lead the AFC, I I believe, present time, unless something has changed. The interceptions, that is what the Colts' defense is doing as of late, too. There's nothing wrong with that. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. He is the voice of the Boilermakers. He is a good friend of mine, of yours, of ours. He is Rob Blackman. Hello, Rob. How are you? John, what is up, my friend? Was that just an incredible environment that you soaked up and could not get enough of on Saturday afternoon at Cambridge? Because I had actually sent a text to Matt and said, man, that looked fun as hell. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, I'm I, probably fair to say 95% of the building was, and it was a full house. Mm-hmm. It was a sellout, but 95% of the building, it felt like was rooting for Purdue. And I mean, look, it makes sense. Obviously a team you're playing is coming in from Arizona, so they're not going to have a lot of fans, but it felt to me like the, the Indiana state and the ball state fans that stuck around, they chose to root for Purdue as well. So we are grateful for that. But yeah, you know, it was, you know how this event has worked in the past, John, there've been so many years where it was, Indiana and Notre Dame and Butler and and so you no one team really ever kind of took over the building because all four were normally pretty well represented um but yeah it was it felt like a home game uh, that was for sure on on Saturday that was fun um I was always curious about this and I think we're deep enough in the season and gone through enough I mean from the Maui Invitational and you know clearly right now the Boilers have the best resume going in in college basketball now 
It's meaningless in mid-December, but it's going to mean something, certainly at the end of the Big Ten campaign. Um, did you see a way, a fashion in which this team, and, and not mad in the coaching staff, but this team, the players that endured that first-round loss back in March, that they've overcome that, or is that still a work in progress? Do they have to get back to March to completely overcome it? I think to completely overcome it, yes. That's the only way you can erase that demon is to get back to March and have success, uh, which really kind of stinks in a lot of ways because this team is so much fun to watch right now. And quite frankly, you know, what Zach Eady is doing, um, I don't know if fans are appreciating it. Quite frankly, I'm not sure if I'm appreciating it enough. I probably should be appreciating it more, but we haven't seen anything like this since Glenn Robinson. And that's, that's saying something, uh, considering Glenn was the number one overall draft pick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, uh, that, that, that's a demon that only gets exercised in the NCAA tournament because that's where it happened, right? That's, that's, where, uh, it, that's where it all occurred was the NCAA tournament. So, but uh, you, you're correct. Um, it's only mid-December, but I would, I would hearken back to one of the great lessons that the late, great Larry Clisby taught me. As he always said, you, you, you never get excited about a team until you're 10 games into the season. It was always his theory that once you're 10 games in, you pretty much know what you have. Uh, and Purdue's 11 games in, uh, and they've, uh, well, they've taken care of everyone that's been on the schedule outside of Northwestern. Uh, they have, what, uh, four wins now against teams ranked in the top 11. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing, at least through the first 11 games, that's for sure. He is the voice of the Boilermakers, Rob Blackman, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Purdue back to number one in the nation. Again, 10-1 and one on the season and as I mentioned, the exercising of demons for what took place in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year for the entirety of the team, it seems like that you've got a couple of guards, and we've talked about them before, Smith and, and Lawyer, who get motivated to do something like that every single game because you know, you hear, you read what is being said about you, and it seems like, and I know that this case for Braden Smith, that is true. I mean, you can absolutely see it. These guys get the motivation out of those that believe that they can't do what they believe deep inside in that backcourt for the Boilers they can. Yeah, certainly doesn't hurt. And, it, you know, it doesn't hurt that this early portion of the schedule has been loaded with really good guards for the other team. So the challenge is always out there. Uh, we haven't, you know, outside of Balo quite frankly, on Saturday against Arizona, we haven't played a really good, really exceptional five-man center low post player where you try to get Zach Eady motivated to go against that guy. You don't have to get Zach Eady motivated. He's good enough without the extra motivation. But there have been so so many good guards that Purdue has faced to this point that, yeah, uh, I think it's easy for those guys. I'll tell you what, I I know you're talking about Braden here, but I was just thinking about Fletcher Lawyer earlier today, John, because I'm doing a little – just a little prep work for Thursday night. Nice. Well done. Fletch. Well, <laughs> hey, when the Jacksonville <laughs> Dolphins come to town, you better get out ahead of that. Hey, are you uh, going to have a lot of Artist Gilmore stories to tell? <laughs> Please don't steal my stuff, okay? No, I'm, I'm working, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, the, th- the thing with Fletch, you know, so his, his two best games of the season, scoring-wise, 27 points, uh, in both of those games, have come against the two best defensive teams we've played, uh, Tennessee and Arizona. Uh, so you know he's got a little extra motivation when he sees teams that are uh, top five in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency and in, in scoring uh, defense. 
so I, I've, I've appreciated the fact that those two guys have really taken their game to another level. But more importantly, what I really like about Lawyer and Smith and Edie, if you look at their numbers, John, across the board this year, all three of them play better against the high major competition than they do the mid-major and low-major guys, which to me is a really positive sign. Their numbers are better across the board when they're playing – uh, the the, uh, the Arizonas and the Alabamas and the, and the Marquettes of the world than they are when they're playing, say, a Samford, right, or a Moorhead State. So uh, that, to me, is the most encouraging part because I've been around this thing long enough to know we've had guys in the past that put up some pretty, pretty impressive numbers, but if you really dig deep down and, and look at it, it happens against the lower-level teams, so the numbers get inflated a little bit. That has not been the case with those three guys. They've actually been better They've been at their best against the better competition. So so here's hoping that that continues. Hey, Rob, I know it was Fort Wayne and it was Westfield in high school. Did um, did Lawyer and, and Smith have a rivalry in high school? Uh, not a bunch. Remember, Fletcher didn't come to Fort Wayne until ah, he was a yeah, junior in high right. school. You're right. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a Clarkston, Michigan kid originally. So Oh, yeah, was, that's where that Fife kid is from, man. Exactly. Exactly. So he's only been a, was only in the state of Indiana for two years. But, uh, you know, you think back to that their senior year, yeah. a lawyer was named the Gatorade Player of the Year for the state, and Braden won Mr. Basketball. So you're splitting hairs there over who, who was the best player in the state. But uh, they both could claim claim that they they were. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot to speak of rivalry wise yeah. again because they didn't they didn't hardly play against each other in high school because uh, Fletch is like I said from from Michigan. You know, it's funny too, and, and I don't know if this is. I'm assuming this is just their personalities, but in, and maybe I'm just wrong about this, which is not going to be the first time. But with lawyer, sometimes I can see how things are going for him. I think he shows it. Like in in terms of like Rounders is, is one of my favorite all time movies, and he's got yeah. a tell. Whereas with Smith, you can't tell what the hell is going on with him. He's always the same, which, and I, and I guess that's just their personalities that you see right there, but that's just, that's kind of my read on them both, right or wrong. Uh, I don't know, probably right. I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Uh, Why would you, know, you right? Why would you? Yeah. So, yeah. And the other thing I hadn't thought of until uh, last night on the coaches' show, uh, it was brought to my attention that Fletcher normally, not normally, almost always has his best game after he's just had a poor game. And the more I thought about him, that's correct. You know, he did not play well against Alabama last Saturday and then goes for uh, goes for 27 against Arizona. So uh, if you want to tell for Fletcher Lawyer, uh, if he if he's coming off a bad game, uh, then he's probably going to have a really, really good high-level game the next time out. But, yeah, I guess what you're saying is probably correct. I just haven't really ever thought of it that way. It's, um, it's, um, to me, when you have a deep team, there's something about having depth. But there is always somebody that wants more clock, more playing time. Is there ever any discussion about any players not so happy with the amount of time they're getting? Or do you understand what you're getting into? And you know what? If you play harder in practice, if you play harder when you're inserted into the game, then you'll get more time. Is that just what we're talking about here? Or is there ever any discord regarding that with that team? I don't know if there's discord. I, I would say I think the only two guys that right now are learning that, that lesson that you're talking about, about playing hard and, more importantly, giving you something on the defensive end, have been the two freshmen uh, in Heidi and Colvin. Uh, for those that have watched us closely this year, you have seen when they come into the game, 
if they have a breakdown on the defensive end or they, you know, their guys just blowing right past them or whatever it might be, they don't stay in the game very long. <laughs> so now on the flip side, when they have done a good job on the defensive end, uh, then they have seen some extended minutes. So I think those are the only two guys kind of learning that hard lesson. Most freshmen learn that lesson, so that is not uncommon at all. Uh, but you think about uh, like Trey Kaufman Ren would be a good example. Yeah, he he's, he starts every game, but he only plays about eighteen minutes. Um, actually, Mason Gillis plays more minutes per game than does Trey, and Mason's coming off the bench. I don't think either one of those guys are disgruntled or not happy about their playing time. They're both playing about the same amount of minutes, roughly. Uh, and Trey gets to be in the starting lineup. So, yeah, I haven't, you know, and Matt has done a, as he always says, I, you know, he says this every year. I start the year thinking I'm going to play 10. And by December 1st, I'm down to nine. And by March, I'm down to eight. And by the NCAA tournament, I'm down to about seven and a half. So, for the moment, he's been pretty good about playing nine. And I, I think as long as, like I said, as long as those freshmen, are given Purdue something on the defensive end, uh, they're going to continue to be a part of that rotation. Yeah, it's funny. He handles that. That The way you put that sounds exactly like how NBA coaches handle it. Because you start the season, obviously because you don't want to wear anybody down, but when you get into when it really does matter, those rotations shrink down where they're minuscule compared to what they were when you started. And, look, Paint's always been pretty open about this. You know, if I can't trust you on the defensive end, the chances are you're not going to play a lot. So, uh, in, unless you are Carson Edwards-like offensively right now, yeah. you could put you could put up with some some deficiencies on the defensive end with Carson because if he got on a heater, obviously he's going to go for 35 or 38 points. Um, there's I don't think there's anyone on our team right now that is Carson Edwards-like in that manner. So, uh, yeah, if, 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 like I said, if, if Paint feels like you're giving them something defensively, uh, you will find your way uh, into that rotation. Uh, if not, uh, it's going to be kind of tough for you. Have you found even more listeners with now the implementation of Peacock as we witnessed uh, so, this past yeah. Saturday? It is really funny you would mention that because on the coaches show last night, I did have a number of folks come up to me and say that they listened to the radio because they did not have Peacock. Um, now these are older, probably yeah. fifty plus age folks. Who, yeah, right in my category is what you're saying right, right here. Yes, don't want to mess with the streaming service. <laughs> um, so just now, that's the only that's the only feedback I've gotten, John, on that. Yeah. But it, again, it's only been really the only game, the major game, that's been on Peacock. So, judging from just that one night's worth of feedback last night, I would say yes, we're, we're getting some more some more listeners, but. Keep in mind, Purdue IU in Bloomington is on in, is on Peacock. Yeah, I got to uh, keep in, that in mind because I might have to pay for it or something. I probably, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. look, you put number one versus number three. You put on Peacock, and and Purdue Indiana is on Peacock. But uh, I've got Noah Eagle uh, coming well, on here in the five o'clock hour, and he was on Peacock doing the play by play. I'm a double right. agent, I think, right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey man, he doesn't care. He's getting paid the same no matter what. I'm sure he doesn't care. <laughs> Hey, man, does Matt like that coach's show? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll give you the facts. And then listeners can get... yes. he, does he ever get a chance to go home, or do they just keep on coming well, at him? For, for, the, all the, for all the years I've been doing it, we've always done 14 shows a year. And Matt has done all 14, unless there was you know, a, a rare emergency that right. popped up, which was very rare. Uh, starting this year, uh, Matt is now doing seven of the 14. Uh, and the assistant coaches are doing the other seven. So 
I'll just get those are the facts. I'll let you draw your own deduction there of if you think Coach Paint likes doing the coach's show. Now he's, have, cut, he's cut his schedule down in half. Have this you year. have you been privy to anybody, any of the fans that come out, which is cool for you, right? Come out for you and join you guys up there in West Lafayette that's ever tried to pass along their basketball advice to him? <laughs> not, not live and in person. We've I'd, I'd, I'd really want to see that. <laughs> I remember last year we had a phone caller trying to uh trying to uh, explain to Coach Paint how we could be, be better offensively. Uh, and at the time of the phone call, Purdue was second in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. So, as you might imagine, that 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 conversation, I think, fell on deaf ears. But, uh, hey, um, that's, that's what makes the coaches' show so much fun. Everyone can offer up an opinion. So, from 14 to 7 now, huh? Yeah. So next time you have paint on the show, yes. just say, hey, uh, how come you don't do all those coaches shows so anymore? I, I drive all the way up there to be a part of the crowd because I want to give you some offensive advice and you weren't there. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sure he loved it. Get some advice <laughs> on, on how to attack the zone or what, well, oh, you know, what, oh. what inbounds play Purdue should run on the baseline. Yes. Yeah. It is, sure love it. it is glorious to hear that. I'm sure. Especially with the calls. I, I can't believe you guys take calls. Can't believe it. Well, we we the least now maybe this could change, but yeah. so far this season we have not taken a single phone call. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, and this is the season you need to be like right now is when you need to be taking them. You would think, right? Yeah. Normally, you would think that most of the folks are happy and they can't wait to tell you how great you are, but you'd be surprised. All right, I'm not going to interrupt any of all the research he's done regarding the Jacksonville Dolphins and Artis Gilmore. So the Dol- hey. The Dolphins, here's one for you, played a home game yesterday at 11.30 in the morning. How about that? 11.30 tip-off home game on a Monday. Was there a reason for that? I have no idea. I've, I've thought it was quite odd. However, you're playing a home game at 11.30 in the morning on a Monday? I don't know. Man, I remember this was probably four or five years ago. The late, great Robin Miller put together a fundraiser for ABA players, and it happened in the lobby of this building. And I went downstairs after the show, and and Artis Gilmore was there, and George Gervin, wow. and and some of these great names of the past, and it was awesome. I mean, I have to admit, it was absolutely awesome to see that. And and Artis Gilmore was one. And Artis Gilmore, people tend to forget. I mean, because they were in what the Final Four in seventy or seventy one, something like that. But he played. I mean, he he played for a long time. You know, through the ABA and then the NBA, but it was incredible to see him. I remember him as a kid being one of my favorite players. And then, uh, yeah, you mentioned George Gervin, the Iceman. I mean, that, that's pretty mm. cool right there. Man. Pretty awesome. All right. Um, you guys get Jacksonville and then you get Eastern Kentucky. Before, by the way, too, that Maryland game when you restart the Big Ten is on Peacock. On January 2nd, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. On Peacock. Peacock game with Maryland. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. Hey, well, here's the thing. You get more listeners, you gauge that, and then you have them pay you more. Say, hey, look. (laughs) Okay. I think we need to up my salary a little bit because look at all the listeners that are on here now. John, now you know I never discuss salary negotiation in season. <laughs> just like the players, I I wait till the postseason. I just like yeah, I just like pray. Please, for the love of God, want me back, right? Please, doesn't want me back. <laughs> uh, again, uh, just like the Cliz, I've been working on uh, 19 straight one-year contracts, as he liked to say. I worked on 40 
40 straight one-year contract. So, yeah, just always Man. happy to be asked back to do it the next season. The Cliz was such a stud. Such a stud. <laughs> a stud. Tell me about it. Mm. Right there, I know you guys are have conversations about him all the time, man. That's that's near oh, and dear stuff time. right there. Hey, when we're at like team meals and stuff with the coaches, we get to go and tell and Cliff stories. Oh, so much oh, fun. Man. So much fun. Pleasure, buddy. I appreciate that. Keep going strong and we'll check back in with you. You and the family have a great holiday too, okay? Okay, John. Yeah, same to you. Merry Christmas, man. Right, buddy. See you, we'll see you. So Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Always really good on the show. Uh, Noah Eagle, who, by the way, did Peacock, worked Peacock for Arizona and Purdue and does a lot more, too. He's got that Monday night, or is that on Nickelodeon Monday night? Yes, it is. What game is that, Elijah? Ah, Hold on. Let me check for a second. I'll get right back to you. Elijah's going to check in a second and get right back to me. Chiefs and Raiders. Ah. Is that um, is uh, Nate, what's his name with him, too? Right, the one from CBS? Uh, I I have to Who's check. with him? Well, well, we can just ask him. He's going to come on here. Right? Yeah, yeah. Noah Eagle coming up after 5-2. If you missed it, a couple of Colts players were, I guess as they say, dealt with. Dealt with. Just don't know the reason behind them being dealt with. Get to that story coming up next if you missed that too. 239-1070 if you're on hold, I'll get to you as well. Back after this. The Ride with JMV. And you can tell Rolling Stone magazine that my last words were, I'm on drugs. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, crank it up for me. Elijah's in the house, everybody. Rob Blackman, really good. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. IU in action tonight, seven and three. Mike Woodson's team versus eight and three. Moorhead State, six thirty is that tip. So that's probably a five thirty pregame show downstairs. No, we are downstairs. I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't say that anymore. Actually, we are here across the hall. Tennessee State at seven and five, and Indiana State. That is an ESPN Plus game, and. Friend of the show, friend of the station. You can catch him often. Brendan King, I believe, is on the call on ESPN Plus this evening. 10 and 1. Josh Schertz's Indiana State Sycamores. And we were talking about that a little bit earlier with Greg Rakestraw when Greg and Kevin Bowen on their way up. Much like Thelma and Louise going to see Notre Dame play basketball tonight, right? And we were talking about Indiana State, yet Tennessee State tonight. And I think the 30th of December, the Sycamores have an opportunity have an opportunity to do something with that resume on the road at Michigan State. Josh Schertz's team, nine-game win streak. They are 4-0 and on the road. Georgetown Butler tonight over at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Butler... Six consecutive wins, seven and zero at home, nine and two overall, as they start Big East play with seven and four Georgetown. The Hoyas limp in. I checked that, not limping in. Seven and four is probably limping. They haven't played well, but they are on a two-game win streak. Uh, that tip is at six thirty. Notre Dame and Citadel tonight, as I mentioned in South Bend. That's at uh, six o'clock. 
Yeah, you got a lot going on. Yeah, good stuff from Rob Blackman. Jim McCann in Southern California sent me this. So Noah Eagle now is working for NBC Sports, and I wonder if he knows what part of their 2024 Paris Summer Games that he'll be bringing us. Good call. How many other father-sons have you had on your show? I think I've had – I have well, I didn't have Joe Buck on. Check that. I've had Joe Buck on. I did not have Jack Buck on. But Joe has been on before. Um, I've had both in the past, Tom Brenneman and Marty Brenneman. So those are the ones that jump off the page around here. But yeah, there's no doubt. Noah has a an incredibly bright future. Hey, Alex writes this, so I think the Pacers spend all the energy on offense and have nothing left for defense. I think slowing them down a bit could possibly help the defense. I just I think that it's going to take away from the offense, which you can't have either. That style of play you think's wearing them out. I just don't know if you're going to take away something offensively and try to give them something defensively that you're going to find what you're looking for. Um, and in turn, not make it a lot worse. If you understand what I'm talking about. Hey, the Colts placed wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie and cornerback Tony Brown on the reserve suspended list. Three games for conduct detrimental to the team. How many does this make suspended this year by them? And a league suspension for both Grover Stewart and uh, Al-Kadeen Muhammad, who everybody forgot was even on the team. And uh, now this, again, for conduct detrimental to the team. We were wondering on Saturday during the pregame huddle what might be going on with these healthy scratches, uh, and, and this is the reason why. We just don't know the reason why the suspension. Get back to that coming up, too. Noah Eagle is going to join us of NBC and Peacock and more. Talk about that Boiler Arizona game. Talk about his Nickelodeon game. Talk about what else he is going to do. Friend of the show is Father Ian Eagle on here often, too. Noah Eagle is going to join us to start the 5 o'clock hour next. It's a Friday. Bud Light Blue Friday again. Twin Peaks, Northeast Side. Britain Tavern on Thursday. Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Meantime, Joining us now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, his father is on here often. We like to call him a friend of the show, so we'll reference his son as such right here. I want to say veteran broadcaster. Um, You can catch him doing the Nickelodeon game from Monday Night Football. He was a part of Peacock and doing Purdue and Arizona this past weekend. From NBC and then some, Noah Eagle joins us. Can I call you veteran broadcaster Noah Eagle? Does that apply? (laughs) I mean, you might be the first one to say it, but I'll take it. I will take the season term. I've been waiting for quite some time for a couple of years here. So I feel like, yeah, we're getting there. I think if I were an athlete uh, five years in, that's generally veteran status. Noah, did your dad tell you that we sent him some bourbon over the summer? <laughs> no. I don't know if I've ever seen him drink bourbon in my life. <laughs> well, I know he only does it in the off season if he does it. He's got That's right. strict Summer rules. Iron. Summer yeah. Iron mode. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. This path has been really awesome. 
to watch you be a part of now and these gigs that you're doing. I, I can't imagine how much enjoyment you get out of this every single week. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the right term is enjoyment and excitement. And, really, that was why I got into this. That was why I did it. You know, I, I got to watch my dad over the years, and he was happy. He was ready. He was jumping for joy when he got another game, another assignment, got to get out of bed and prepare for another opportunity. And I think I saw that, and I got to go with him every now and then to a game that was broadcasting, and I got to see the intoxicating feeling that he got. And then once I, I tried it for myself, I felt the same way. And so, yeah, it's just been, it's been a ton of fun. And I think that hopefully that comes through in every broadcast I do, because that's why I do it. I just enjoy it. And so it's been a, a fun ride so far. Is that Noah Eagle on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline? So did you enjoy watching your dad do a specific sport? And if so, is that the same that maybe you most enjoy doing right now? Yeah, I mean, he obviously has done so much. I'd have to say it was the the field hockey championships in Romania from 1999 that really piqued my head. No, no, I don't think he ever did that anyway. <laughs> I was looking. Uh, I was going to look on Wikipedia and see if that was true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. I could have said anything. And yeah. Going, yeah. He probably did. Oh, that at some oh yeah. Point because he has he has stretched himself across all sports. No, I think that for me, you know, growing up in New Jersey, certainly and. And him doing this specific thing literally my entire life would be calling Nets games. And I think that's where I really developed a love for sports was following the Nets. They were really good when I was young, going to -to back-to-back NBA finals, battling with the Pacers. And I remember going to game five where Reggie Miller hit that buzzer beater (laughs) and then hit another buzzer beater to go to double overtime. And that was one of the first seminal moments of my sports fandom was being at Continental Airlines Arena to see that happen, to see it unfold. And then the Nets would eventually pull away Jason Kidd who would win the game in double overtime. But those were, I guess, the formative memories in my sports fandom. And so it'd be hard not to say watching him do NBA basketball on a consistent basis. But, yeah, everything he's done certainly uh, seeped in there somewhere and somehow. And so that one just, I guess, it's kind of risen to the top, if that makes sense. You know what you did for Peacock, Purdue and Arizona this past Saturday here downtown at Cambridge Fieldhouse. How was that environment for you? Oh, it was it was elite, legitimately elite. It felt like an NCAA tournament game. The the intros felt like a Final Four type of atmosphere. The crowd and and kind of the back and forth affair. There were more Arizona fans than I expected there to be, but obviously the overwhelming feeling was Purdue support. And, boy, did they look good. The Boilermakers are strong. Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer played just fantastic basketball. And as a result, that environment really did deliver for a top-three matchup. It was it was special. I think that's the best way to put it. Do you know how many Boilermaker games you have in the future? I've got a- Yeah, I've got a couple more coming up, a couple more, I think, in January and February. So I'm looking forward to it. I think well-deserved that number one ranking in the country as well after what they just proved. Yeah, and, I mean, that's it's funny, too, around here, and I'm I'm sure somebody had told you about that during your preparation, is that a lot of Boilermaker fans, you know, this is great to them, but they're waiting on what happens late in March because still of that soreness of a year ago and really what has – 
has hampered this team in the past, and that is what they end up doing in the month of March. And I, I think it's almost sad, too, because if I'm a fan of a team like this, I would want to enjoy every single moment. But to some, you just can't do that until you see them exercise those demons of, of last March, for example. Yeah, and you know what? I think that it's obviously easy to go to this example, but I do think it applies that Virginia team from 2018 to 2019. The 2018 NCAA yeah. tournament, they lose that UMBC in that first round. UMBC just shoots the lights out and shocks the Cavaliers. The way they came back the next year, everyone can say, you know what, they played with a chip on their shoulder, which I think is probably true, and everyone was questioning, well, I don't think Tony Bennett can get it done in the biggest games. He always seems to fall just short. He has the best teams, and they don't figure it out. The biggest thing, aside from playing with that chip on their shoulder, that I took away from that team, and I think is eerily similar to this Purdue team, is you had guys that now had been through it. You had guys that had experienced the lowest of the low in the grandest stage. So now they knew what to expect. They knew how to handle themselves. Kyle Guy knew how to handle himself. Ty Jerome knew how to handle himself. DeAndre Hunter didn't even get to play the year before in the tournament. But he had been around for an entire year. He had played as a freshman, so he grew now as a sophomore. And I think that's the case with this Purdue backcourt. They got so much stuff said about them last year after the way they performed in the NCAA tournament. I think people easily forget Braden Smith was a freshman. Fletcher Lawyer was a freshman. Now they're sophomores. They've got corporate knowledge of how this works, of what it feels like to play in a game like that. And certainly now – playing in these games that they've had early this season, you know, they've beaten more top teams. They've got more quad one wins by a decent margin now than anybody in the country. And I think it's because of that knowledge and that feeling that they already had from a year ago. So I'm not saying that, hey, this guarantees them to win the whole thing or it even guarantees them to get past that second weekend. But what I do think it does, it provides a little bit more of a confidence from a team perspective because you've felt it, you've seen it before. And I just, those two guys in particular, certainly Braden Smith, I think he's been a lot more consistent. And Fletcher Lawyer has obviously shown some incredible moments already this year. But just having that feel that Braden Smith's in control, especially at the point guard spot, I think goes a long way when you pair it with the National Player of the Year. Yeah, you talk about 2019 and Purdue, different team altogether, but has some up close and personal relations with that Virginia team that you're describing right here, led by Kyle Guy. No question. And that was, to me, the seminal moment of that team, right? To get through that game, because that, in the year before, if it was 2018 and those two teams were playing, I think Purdue probably finds a way to win that game, or I should say Virginia finds a way to lose that game. But given all the experience they had from a year before, given everything they had been through together, they found a way as a group to power through. And I think it's a perfect example of what it could look like for Purdue this coming year. It's Noah Eagle joining us from NBC, Peacock, um, also NFL on Nickelodeon. So you got the Monday Nighter coming up here with the Chiefs and the Raiders. Is that correct? Yeah, so we've got a, a game Saturday on NBC and then Monday on Nickelodeon. So one will have slime, one will not. Okay, now who's your partner? On uh, Nickelodeon, we've got Nate Burleson. That's what I thought. Who is yeah. always outstanding and has just settled in to Mr. Nick 
in so many ways. He's, he's dominant <laughs> in the role. Now, now, I know you've probably heard this a thousand times, but um, obviously your play-by-play craftsmanship speaks for itself. But did they also, did you also have a spot because you're pretty close to the age group of Nickelodeon <laughs> too? Did that help? Yeah. You, you know what's funny is, <laughs> so when, when this happened, this all started a couple of years ago. This is the fourth year now we're doing it, which is crazy. That thing. is. Because we didn't even we didn't even really know what was going to happen after year one or during year one for that matter, and before it all started, they were trying to figure out okay who are we going to have to do this, and I was one of the names floated around, and so the Nickelodeon people said hey we want to talk to them. I was like great yeah let's do it. So I hop on a Zoom with them, and I vividly remember being asked hey did you it's not a requirement that was the preface which is always an interesting preface, so you know like hey okay it's not a guarantee that I have to say yes but it'll help if I say yes to whatever the question is. And the question was, did you watch Nickelodeon growing up? Or do you still watch Nickelodeon at all now? (laughs) And I am at that point, I think probably 23 years old. And I'm like, yeah, yes, I did. And I start not only quoting and naming shows, but doing impressions. I mean, I was going left and right. I'm telling stories about me and my sister. And I find out later, you know, years later, honestly, maybe a year ago or so, that I was one of three candidates for the role, and I was the only one who actually brought the knowledge to the table, and I sold them right there. So, yeah, I do think that <laughs> at least having that closeness in age and closeness in what I watched growing up and what I was consuming throughout yeah. my life certainly helped not just to get me the job, but then once I actually had it, if you watch our, our broadcast, a lot of it is Nate and I doing a lot of quoting and referencing and stuff of that nature and just kind of being big kids. So, yeah, I think it's helped as we've kind of embarked on what has been a really interesting journey. Yeah, that's that's awesome right there, too. So, yeah, SpongeBob SquarePants helped you land a gig right there. That's yeah, beautiful. Exactly. No, I know. This is So for all the parents that are listening right now, <laughs> if you hear, I'm ready, don't turn it off. Just embrace it, accept it, realize that there could be a light at the end of that rainbow. Whoever knows how it comes together. That is awesome. Noah Eagle joins us. He's got the Monday night Nickelodeon game. I'm curious. I know you guys probably get messaged regarding, you know, games, whether, you know, you're doing the Clippers, for example, or you're doing what you're doing on Peacock now or, you know, on the Nets games. I'm sure you get emails about broadcast and questions and, hey, you're doing a great job. What type of messages, if any, do you get from those that are watching the Nickelodeon broadcast? Yeah, I'll be honest maybe the best messages. They are really awesome, especially that first year because it was so novel, and I think people weren't sure what to expect. If if we're being honest, I'm not sure we were sure what to expect as we went into it. But the, the messages we got from a lot of people were, this was the first time that my son or daughter sat down and watched an entire football game. Or this is the first time that I got to watch as an entire family with my kids. Or this was the first time I ever even heard of the Loud House, Lincoln Loud, or whatever else, you know, little things like that. And then some other messages like, wow, you just brought me back to my childhood, or wow, I completely forgot about that show and what it did for me growing up, little things. So yeah, those are the types of stuff that we hear, type of things that I don't know if we've even come to expect. You know, I think we just go and just have fun, and we don't really have an expectation even after doing the last three years, but it's been, it's been very cool to see the response. 
and I, I hope that people, you know, continue to enjoy it because we continue to enjoy doing it. Good for you, man. That's awesome right there. It is uh, Noah Eagle. Noah and Nate Burleson have it on, and that again is Monday night with the Chiefs and the Raiders on Nickelodeon. So they tell you in your ear when a splat is coming or something like that, when those effects are coming? <laughs> not necessarily, not always. Sometimes it's reactionary. You know, that first year they were trying to slime me, and I was ready for it. I was kind of peering over the shoulder throughout the broadcast because I was expecting it, and then it never came. So then that second year we did it, right before, maybe a couple days before, they did find a way to slime me. So I was officially welcomed in to the Nickelodeon family. But, no, I'd say that every now and then they'll say, hey, this is coming, and then sometimes they don't tell us anything, and we just have to naturally react to what we're seeing. All right. I think this is the case. You can help me. But one of the worst games of all time here with the Colts involved, were you on the call of that in Minneapolis last year? Because it's it's almost a year to the date. I think we're a couple of days past it. But, what, December yeah. 17th a year ago in Minneapolis, were you a part of that? Yeah, I, I was there. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yes, I, was, I was on the call. I was. It happened. <laughs> that will go down in history as one of the worst games of all time around here. Yeah, and honestly, you know, Obviously, when you're doing a broadcast, you're right down the middle. And we were very much that way. But it's always tough when you meet with both teams because we loved both teams. We loved our meetings with both teams. And we loved sitting with Jeff Saturday and Matt Ryan and and really chatting with them. And they were just so gracious with us. So those are always both exhilarating and tough because you've got both ends of the spectrum there. But it it was a game I'll never forget. And I will say... And I still, I had not done a, an NFL game, I should say, at Lucas Oil Stadium. So I cannot put this in there yet. But I will say that U.S. Bank Stadium is very impressive, especially for a game like that. I, I think those fans deserve a lot of credit. They stayed despite being down 33 nothing. I didn't see anybody leave the building. Like, that is hard to do. And there are not many places you could say that about. And, again, I haven't, haven't gotten to a game yet at Lucas Oil, so I can't speak to that. But I do know that U.S. US Bank was very impressive. 33 to nothing at the half. And the Colts lost in overtime 39 to 36. Of all the embarrassments of all time, again, that's at the top of the list. That's incredible. Well, the craziest thing was that, so I, we didn't even know that that was the case until obviously someone gets in our ear, someone lets us know, hey, if they did come back, this, they didn't even start thinking about it until maybe it was 36 to 21, I think, at some point. And at that point, they said, hey, this could end up being the largest comeback. And I'm like, oh, cool. Who, who was the previous one? They go, Buffalo. And Frank Reich was their quarterback. I'm like, oh, that's a crusher. That's like a double whammy. So, yeah, that was the freakiest part to me of the whole thing was obviously – the connection there from earlier in the season and, and all the way through. But it was it was definitely cool to be there. I did feel I've got plenty of fa- uh, friends either from Indianapolis or Colts fans. I felt for them, but I was uh, I was thrilled for my Vikings friends at the same time. So, again, that, that double-edged sword is always difficult. You know what's weird about that entire situation? When, when Jeff took over on an interim basis, Jim Irsay – it wasn't going to take much for Jim Ursay to bring him back because Jim really wanted that to work. That was his idea, and he wanted that to work. And 
you know, you look at that game, and then there's that game at home against the Commanders where there was a, a late touchdown. There, there were, you know, Philadelphia, for example. They had Philadelphia, what we thought, on the ropes late in that game in November of a year ago. If a couple of those games happen, then Jeff Saturday is still the coach here, and we don't see Shane Steichen, who everybody around here absolutely loves right now. Yeah, and now is the front runner for coach of the year, right? And rightfully so for the job that he's done. Obviously, losing your starting quarterback, bringing in Gardner Minshew, and playing the way that they have has been wildly impressive. But without a doubt, it's it's always interesting those sliding door type moments, those domino effects, and this is one of them. But again, I will say that Jeff was an absolute pleasure to chat with and hang with. He was. Just it was very funny because he had come from doing TV and he was saying to us, I think I worked with Nate for that game as well. And I want to say there was Nate who asked him, you know, was there anything that surprised you about doing TV? And he said, yeah, I, I didn't realize how difficult it was until I started doing it. He's like, I didn't realize what you guys are trying to do tomorrow is going to be incredibly difficult. And I was like, oh, all right, that's very nice of him <laughs> to say, but he actually has the experience so he can actually back it up. But no, he was. He was wonderful, but to your point, Shane Steichen has been a, a home run hit so far this season, and we'll see if they can finish the job. Yeah, you look back on it last year, and if, if he gets a win or two, and it could have easily been had, they had some close games, then he's still the head coach, and we don't hear about Shane Steichen being here. And I think a lot of Colts fans would bristle at that right now, considering how excited they are in year number one of Shane Steichen around here. So it's I, I guess it's I guess you got to go through. It is like Shawshank Redemption. I mean, five hundred <laughs> yards of blank smelling. You know what? To get out yep. clean on the other side. I guess that's an all-time great movie. Thank and you. I'm not. I'm not telling anybody to go through that. I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> to do any of that but if it does lead you to your private beach island yes then you got to do what you got to do you do and that there is no doubt about that so I, I got our executive producer todd meyer who's down the hall who's big time purdue fan wanted to know if robbie hummel tried to get you to go out and hang out with him after the game this weekend <laughs> <laughs> ah robbie robbie is i will say a pleasure he's a pleasure to be with a pleasure to work with however when we do a Purdue game like we just did, and we, as mentioned, we will have more coming up, the amount of photos that he gets asked to take, and rightfully so, this is someone who up until about a week and a half ago was top 10 all-time in Purdue scoring and was an absolute legend as a Boilermaker. But the amount of photos that he got asked, I, I was crushing it on the angles of the photos. I was absolutely dominant in my photography skills leading up to the game, post-game, no one wanted a photo of the back of my head. There were a lot of <laughs> selfie takers, though. And I was sitting there, and I'm like, oh, the back of my head's going to get in this. He goes, ah, can we angle this way a little bit? And I'm like, oh, oh I got out of there. What, what just happened? But, no, he's been the best. And, and it's been an awesome just working with him. He's outstanding on the air. He is incredibly knowledgeable, not just about the Big Ten, but really college basketball as a whole. So I'm excited for the rest of the season. We've, we've had a ton of fun so far. And I'm going to tell you what, I I have loved building a relationship with, with your dad and having him on here often. And I like to do that with you, too. I love storytellers and just love kind of having the casual conversation. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you and your dad, I, I can see you went down a great path right there 
because you guys are, and I'm getting a lot of people in response of having you on for the first time. We got to do this again because this is a great conversation. I really have enjoyed it. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that, and, and you know where to find me anytime. All right. Well, let's let us know, too. You get the Boilermakers game on Peacock. Hey, by the way, are you going to the Olympics on NBC, too? You got the, some calls for that? It's very, very possible, but I'm going to have to uh, go full Dave Chappelle and plead oh. the one, two, three, four, feel. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. We'll do it again soon, man. Thank you. Sounds great. Appreciate it. It's Noah Eagle on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Seriously, it is like talking to his dad, just a younger version of Iron Eagle. That was awesome. And I had forgotten until the latter portions of that that Noah was on the call for the NFL Network of that incredible debacle almost a year ago up in Minneapolis against the Vikings. I think there was December the 17th, was it not, of 2022? What are we on right now, the 19th? And you often look at it, because I'll give you a great example. So right now, everybody's wondering what Isaiah McKenzie and Tony Brown did. But you are lauding the accountability that the head coach, Shane Steichen, is putting out there and the way that he is dealing with this. No matter what, we don't even know. Like, I've heard there are rumors floating around, but we do not know. But think about this for a moment. Had Jeff Saturday won that game or an impressive win would have been, you know, beating Phil? One of the reasons why, like, I'm watching Monday night last night, and I kind of feel bad because he was here for a while and the offensive coordinator here. But – I don't know if it has to do with how he acted after the win for Philly here last year or what. I I don't dig Nick Sirianni. I'm not a Nick Sirianni fan. And, I, I, and maybe that's just me. Maybe I should embrace it more. But I just, I've never been a big Nick Sirianni fan. So last night when that went down with Drew Locke, I thought that was pretty hilarious. But when you think about it, you think about what could have happened. Think about if if the Colts at all play the quarterback draw of Jalen Hurts last year in November against the Eagles well. I mean, at all. Like, you guys were in the stands, and everybody knew it was coming. Everybody knew it, but the defense on the field. That game, or, you know, McLaurin and the Commanders, remember getting behind Stephon Gilmore. And then, obviously, that Minnesota game, or the end of the year. You know, Houston didn't even want to win. They ended up firing Levy Smith. They were probably more angry. Now, it worked out well for them with C.J. Stroud, don't get me wrong. But they didn't even want to win that game, and the Colts lost that game. But if you piece together a win here or a win there, Jeff Saturday is still here. And you don't have Shane Steichen. You don't have all the conversation and the enjoyment that you've had with Shane Steichen this year. And I think I think it's as close to unanimous with Colts fans around here as it can be. 
with a rookie season head coach and how much you like and how much you believe him to be the long-term future here. Man, you guys are right. Maybe I should, yeah. Sirianni, like Joseph says, Sirianni gives me Josh McDaniels vibes. Sirianni is an instigator, comes across as a smug jerk. I, I, He's just the guy that you watch and you go, man, I hope his team loses. And I felt that way last night. I had zero rooting interest. I didn't mind seeing Drew Locke have that final drive. I thought that was cool. And obviously the the after-the-game interview was even better for what he said. But I didn't have any rooting interest. Other than just kind of wanting to see Nick Sirianni lose. But yeah, you any number of those games indifferently and the coaching situation is massively different around here. Pretty amazing stuff. JMV, what's the chances if the Eagles beat the Panthers next time they play, Nick Sariati will hop around and say, this one's for Frank. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. Exactly what he did last year after they beat the Colts late here. All right, quick break and we'll come back. He was outstanding. We'll do that again. Noah Eagle. Noah Eagle's got the Peacock broadcast, so he's going to have a lot of Boilermakers. I'm assuming he mentioned he's going to do IU and Purdue too. Is that going to be he and Hummel? Yeah. Right. So we'll have to have him back on for that. Nah, really cool. Uh, Podcast 1075thefan.com. Quick break. We'll come back. 93.51075thefan. The Ride with JMV. Get him a body bag. Yeah. All right. (laughs) 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, Noah Eagle, really good. Crank that up for me. We got new order coming back in, right? No, you talk to Elijah. Elijah's over there in for James today. We got Trackside. Track I'm, I'm, I'm helping produce it, but actually I'm training someone new, so that'll be fun. Training someone new tonight. Yep. All right, then. It's Elijah over there, Trackside with Kevin and Kevin coming up later on tonight. Noah Eagle podcast. Uh, you can find that at 1075thefan.com. Rob Blackman a little bit earlier. Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus. And Greg Rakestraw, he and Kevin Bowen. Right now staked out at South Bend to watch Citadel and Notre Dame play a little hoop. I'm assuming about ready. Actually, into the pregame show. 630 is the tip down in Bloomington. Moorhead State and IU. And you've got Georgetown and Butler over at Hinkle Fieldhouse to start the Big East. For Thad Mata and the Dogs, Josh Schertz and Indiana State. That's a matchup with Tennessee State. ESPN Plus and our friend Brendan King will have the call of that. 10-1 and one, Indiana State and Tennessee State. And then coming up next Saturday, I believe it's a week from Saturday. They've got a big one up at the Breslin Center in East Lansing versus Michigan State. Now, Indiana State has been very impressive so far. It's from Michael. Hey, JMV, I didn't mind what Sirianni did last year. Frank did get job by Jim Ursay to fire him and replace him with his drinking buddy. I think it helped Ursay gain some perspective. Um, I, I mean, he turned it over to Chris. Obviously, he signed off on, on Shane Steichen, but he, he let Chris, after six years of obviously a questionable resume, he let Chris handle it. And he did what we'd all talked about him doing is let the football people handle, sign off on it because you're the owner. 
But with the whole meddling thing, then then you get out of it. You get out of it, and whomever you have is obviously still with, with Chris Ballard is who he wanted. Let him handle that, and he did, and you have Shane Steichen. But you win a game or two mixed in a year ago, and things, I'm, I promise you, drastically different. I'm assuming that most of you, if not all of you out there right now, probably like it better the way that it is. So Jason Ellis, I can't stand Pete Carroll, so I would rather have seen Sirianni win. <laughs> it was a good game. I drew Locke in that final drive last night. That was impressive. Metcalf had a great catch. Who was that? Uh, Smith and Jigba in the end zone for the touchdown. I loved how it was described. I think it was Troy Aikman that described him catching the back half of the football in the rain. That moment, that was a big deal. Uh, fun Monday night or last night, but I, I did not mind. And, and I feel okay telling you, I did not mind that Dick Sirianni lost. By the way, too, I saw this courtesy of Kyle Neddenrip of the Star. Uh, Tyler Cherry, who's the quarterback from Center Grove, who initially had signed to play at Duke. Uh, Duke's coach left. Uh, he reopened. He's going to make his decision coming up later on this evening. Again, that's according to a friend of this show, Kyle Neddenrip. JMV, what did Greg Rakestraw say? How many years since he'd been inside, what is it called, the Purcell Center? Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, I think he said 21 years. I admit to this, I have never in my life been to South Bend, Indiana. That is maybe the only place in the state of Indiana that I've, I feel comfortable in telling you I've been pretty much everywhere else. Never, ever in South Bend. Yes, Elijah. Notre Dame plays in the Joyce Center. The Joyce Center? Yep. Thank you. Uh, that's underway at 6 o'clock. And, you know, Kevin Bowen, the morning show, KB and Andy, that morning wake-up call is a kind of weird, right, big Notre Dame basketball fan. And then Micah Shrewsbury's got a lot of local flavor uh, on that uh, on that staff up there. Yeah, I mentioned you're right. Ten and one, Indiana State. Nine game win streak for the Sycamores. They are four and zero oh at the Holman Center this year. Tennessee State, seven o'clock tonight over there. And then I believe their next game is at Michigan State on the thirtieth of December. That is definitely a big deal right there. Yeah, smug jerk. Jim McCann says Clipper fans miss Noah Eagle. He gave them a great four years. Consider that, too. He's 26, and he was doing the Clippers for four years. So he started doing the Clippers when he was 22. I don't even want, what the hell was I doing when I was 22? I was still in college. <laughs> I'm such a joke. Yeah. He said 22. I, like, I was thinking about this. Being 22, I don't even know if I could uh, schedule flights, hotel accommodations. I, re I did remember this, though. This is true. When I was 22, I did do an Indiana State baseball game at LSU 
from the payphone, which I'm assuming is a lot different than Noah Eagle at 22 doing the Clipper game. I did it from a payphone because the equipment did not work, or maybe it was operator error. I blamed it on the equipment. I did it from, and I had, anybody else have they had an MCI calling card? Anybody have a calling card back in the early 90s? It was an MCI calling card. And hell, I may still have it in my George Costanza wallet. But an MCI calling card, and I paid for the entire broadcast on my MCI calling card. And the payphone was in the concourse, so I had to stand on my tiptoes to be able to see home plate. Like once once the ball, and believe me, LSU was good. LSU had, if you remember, if you're a Reds fan, Todd Walker played second base. Todd Walker was on that LSU team. If you're a White Sox fan, left-hander Mike Sirotka, he was the starting pitcher. Now, there were a couple of Moutons that played. This Mouton, Major League Baseball, I think this was Lyle Mouton, who was in right field for LSU. But I'm assuming that's a lot like being 22 and doing Clippers basketball was me doing Indiana State baseball at LSU from the payphone on my MCI calling card. <laughs> that is very true. All right, 239-1070. Oh, there's my man's hanging out right here. Colton is at 239-1070. Hello, Colton. How are you? Me? How you doing, buddy? Go ahead. Great. How you doing? Merry Christmas to you and the fam, Colton. Uh, it's Fulton, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Elijah. Thank you, Elijah. Fulton, I oh, just, I'm I awful. can't hear very well on the phone. I'm sorry. Ah, Fulton, how are you? How are you doing, Fulton? Yeah, how are you doing, brother? Good Lord. Yeah, yeah, I reminded you in Tipton that I'm as dumb as they come, Fulton. My apologies. Oh, (laughs) I'm as dumb as they come. How are you and the family doing as we near holidays? We are doing pretty well. Uh, My girlfriend's coming for a visit to my house for exchange gifts. So, well done. And everything ready. So. What else? Are we doing any more plays? Fulton? I'm doing basketball. Oh, yeah. You um, told I me that. Yeah. Gonna, I think we have our, um, games next year. Um, so we have the games next year. We've got practice on January 12th. When am I coming then... up there to watch? You going to tell me when I'm coming up there to watch? Because I did the yeah. play. I did the play thing. So I've got to go up there and see some hoop. Now, do you, where do you guys practice? Uh, we practice at uh, Novusville um, East Middle School. Okay. Uh, from six six o'clock to eight o'clock. All right. So here's what has to happen. I'm going to go up and watch you play or practice, but I have to be able to get some shots up myself too. Is that okay? I want to be able to yeah, shoot a little fine. bit. Yeah. Can I practice with you guys? Yeah. That would we'll, be wonderful. We'll do I tell you, we'll do a couple of drills. We'll do some three on two, two on one. I always like that drill. How about that? Like a fan. You got it, buddy. Hey, Fulton, you and the family, the best to you this holiday season, my friend. Have a great Christmas, and let me know when you're going to practice, and I'll be up there. So I sent you a Christmas card, 
in the mail. It should be coming. You're the man. Thank you, Fulton. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Jamie. No, Fulton. Thank you. You know how old I am, Fulton? How old? Fifty-four. Oh, oh my goodness gracious! No wonder I called you by the wrong name. I'm old my and dumb. Said, I'm dumb and old. Birthday, my brother Paulson, <laughs> his birthday's today. He's twenty-three. <laughs> Fifty-four. Fifty-four, Fulton. Yeah. So I think yeah. I'm. I maybe. I think I've lost a step, buddy. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. let me know when you practice. I'm gonna come up there. We'll run some drills and shoot some shoot some ball. Okay. Yep. Like I said, it's gonna be January 12th when we have practice. You got it, buddy. I appreciate you. Yep. We're seeing officials. That is Fulton right there. Why'd you put Colton up there for? You know you're not I, dealing I with thought, the sharpest I tool in the shed. I thought that was his name. I'm sorry. Uh, I Elijah. Fulton and Colton sound very similar, Jamie. Yeah, right on target there. Honestly, I think I like Fulton better. I think well, I think it's know, a cool name. I mean, have you seen Anchorman? You know what you put up there. I'm going to I say. I know. I know. <laughs> Dang, it's all good. Daryl's at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, Daryl. Hey, Jen. How you doing, buddy? Now he has. He's had Colton and Daryl on here, so he's zero for two in names on the screen today. Is Elijah well, Daryl? Not not too many people know know that I'm Daryl, not Daryl. So. He is. He is. Elijah is zero for two on screen names. I don't know what we're going to do here. He's a rookie. Anyway, <laughs> first of all, uh, condolences on your friend passing away. Yeah, it's um. He's fifty. He was fifty-four, just like just like me, and uh, probably from the time I was five through the time I was fifteen, um, hung out on a daily basis. I mean, my my up a gravel road where my mom still lives. Right across the gravel road, through the woods for me and um, he and his brother. It is going to be tough tomorrow for sure. Yeah, you just got to remember the good times, man. Yeah, and there, there are many good times. I mean, I remember my first ride to school that wasn't on a bus in a 72 Chevy Nova. Um, I had enormous amount of pool parties to where he was up there and his dad would come up and say, just I got to get up at 5 a.m. so don't keep the music up to 10. Some, I mean, it was... His dad fixed my motorcycle all the time to my dirt bike. So, man, it, it is going to be tough. But, yeah, the good times are those memories I'll always have. So that's great. Yep. Hey, just one thing. You know, I, I predicted that the Colts wouldn't, wouldn't be very good this year. The reason I called in, that was probably the best game they played all year was on Sunday. It was, especially in the second half. And, Daryl, I don't think offensively they can play any better than they did in the second half. No, I, I they, they they played a good second half. The offense looked great. Uh, you got to take your hats off to Gardner Minshew. Um, you know the way he's brought this team together, and that way they, you know, the offense and defense has supported him. It's it has a lot to do with the coaching, also. Yeah, I would agree too. Uh, by the way, to Isaiah McKenzie, Tony Brown, they were suspended on the uh, reserve suspended list for the final three games of the regular season. We don't really know why yet, but that news broke right as we started, which will be a topic of conversation. And again, another one of those reasons why I think a lot of Colts fans have been endeared to one Shane Steichen because there is that level of accountability that even through Chuck Pagano, through Frank Reich, that many felt they didn't have around here. So. Yeah, you got it. Hey, now. I will. I will see you on Friday at yes. uh, the 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 best place to have a cocktail, Twin Peaks. 
the girls will be dressed in their Santa outfits. So, oh really? Oh yeah. They're gonna the girls on Friday when I'm there are gonna be in the uh, the Santa outfits. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. No wonder Hagen's going now. He called me today and said, "Hey, I'm gonna be there." No wonder. Well, we'll have a little Christmas time, too. So, Awesome, buddy. Can't wait to see you there. Hey, you have yourself a good night, and uh, travel safe tomorrow. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you, Daryl. Hey, Travis just sent me this. This is me right here at age 22. He got this from the Jamvi Takeover the 90s, and it's me. This, however, this may be 21. But it's pretty damn close. It is me drinking spilled beer off the floor. That's what I was doing at Noah Eagle's age. I was drinking at Indiana State spilled beer off the floor. That is incredibly accurate. Thank you for that, Travis. All right, quick break. We'll come back for a final time. And again, Derek Schultz in for me tomorrow. I got to thank Derek for coming in. I'm going to go down to where I grew up and uh, pay my respects to one uh, Danny Wilson, who passed away over the weekend at the age of 54. Way, way too young and a longtime friend. And as Daryl mentioned, and rightly so, it makes me sad to think about where we are right now, but it always will make me smile to where we were and what we went through. And obviously that's what you lean on. But man, it is going to be tough. That is tough. And thanks to Derek for coming in tomorrow. Julian Blackman, I believe, is going to be on the show. I'm not quite sure. I'll check with the Colts, but I think Derek may get Julian Blackman on the show of that Colts defense. I read the stats off from this defense that are very impressive so far this year. So we'll see Julian Blackman scheduled with Derek, I believe, coming up tomorrow quick break we'll come back 93.5107.5 the fan the ride with jmv collect them trade them or just enjoy them 93.5 and 107.5 the fan hey crank this up elijah as we come back in here why am i not giving away tickets for social d and bad religion somebody's got to tell me that Oh, Mike Ness and Social D right there would be good. That's coming up this summer, too. What a great show we have been privy to so far. The announcements across the board at all of our venues. Incredible show. Shout out to Jimi Hendrix. I got to go to this, Jimmy. And I know that my thought is, is coming up, too. I got one at the Brown County Music Center in February. That's Toto. I've never seen Toto, which is drastically different from social distortion and bad religion. I've got in March over at the Murat, Adam Ant, and English Beat. And then I believe in January, we've got Flock of Seagulls. And then you get all these announcements coming up for the late spring and the summer in and around the area are awesome. Well done out of everybody. Frank Lucas says, Smooth Seduction sounds like a Skinamax feature film. You know what? Smooth Seduction, I believe, if you go back to 1996, Krista Allen was the uh, star of Smooth Seduction. I think I've watched that about a thousand times. I think that's right before she started, Frank, in it was between Days of Our Lives and the Emmanuel in Space series. 
You guys have been awesome today. Thank you very much. My thanks to Noah Eagle, Rob Blackman, Brad Spielberger, Greg Rakestraw, Podcast 107.5thefan.com, a cameo by Kevin Bowen, too. Derek Schultz in tomorrow. We'll have more on the Colts player suspensions, I'm sure. And, again, I want to thank Derek for coming in. Elijah, you back in tomorrow, too? Yes, I am. All right, Elijah and Derek Schultz tomorrow. Thank you all for being a part of the show as usual. Britain Tavern, Larcity Bourbon Locks coming up on Thursday. Have a great night.